welcome to episode 45 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we're playing it, we will be talking about it. Tonight, we are recording on August 20th, 2017. My name is Corey Motley. I am a staff writer at GameCritics.com. And with me, as always, is Brad Galloway, the editor of Game Critics, and my lovely co-host. How are you doing, Brad? I am doing fine, but I have to issue an apology to basically the entire rest of planet Earth, because tonight I am drinking all the caffeine. I left none for anybody else, and I'm so sorry, (laughs) but I need every last drop. So people, I really, really do apologize, but this coffee is mine. Well, um, you know, uh, I, before we get into banter, I have a bone to pick with you, Brad. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Okay. Are you ready? (laughs) I'm ready. I knew we've had so many harmonious episodes. I knew we'd have to have like one contentious one. Go ahead. You know, it hurts me a little bit that you keep cheating on me with other podcasts, Brad. I heard that you did it again and that you were on (laughs) another podcast podcast recently that makes me a little bit sad so why don't you fess up and give me the details on that mister well i thought we had kind of an open-ish thing going here kind of uh you know (laughs) that we have a mutual respect you know you can podcast with other people i'll pod and this is my main podcast this is the prime podcast but you know a little little bit of a variety never hurts anyone or so or so i'm told Actually, I totally don't believe that at all, so don't think that's my actual life philosophy. That's fine if it works for anybody else. Totally support that. Uh, no, actually, it's funny you brought that up because, yes, I was invited to guest on the Game Bar podcast. I love that show. I love those guys over there. They are a great group. They have some really intelligent discussion, and I laugh a lot. So it was a, an honor to be invited on their show. Could not turn them down, and I would invite anyone who listens to this show to go and check out that show. It is Game Bar, G-A-Y-M-E-B-A-R. One of the regulars was out, so I was subbing in for him, but uh, the other two guys were there, and it was a fun show. Have you listened to that episode, Corey? I haven't. I actually have to fess up and say that I've never listened to the Game Bar podcast. I follow some of the guys that are on it on Twitter, but I actually don't really listen to podcasts that much right now because I usually only listen to podcasts if I'm like driving or like going to work and back and forth. And I don't really do a lot of driving recently because I don't really have a lot of places to go. Like I usually just drive very short distances. So uh, I hate to be that guy, but I actually don't, (laughs) I don't listen to the show. Sorry, Game Bar. If you guys listen to the show, I apologize for uh, not listening to your show. Well, you know, don't feel too bad because I actually did not listen to podcasts for most of my life. I mean, primarily because podcasts didn't really exist for most of my life. But uh, when podcasts became a thing, I, I heard I knew about them and I, you know, I had some friends that were on, but I never listened. And it was only until I got an iPhone and I ended up driving a lot for work. And it didn't even occur to me. It was actually my wife's idea. She's like, oh, you know, you should... Uh, listen to some podcasts instead of just music or whatever. Maybe that would uh, help pass the driving a little bit better. And took her advice because she's always full of really good advice. And I've been a podcast addict ever since. I'm still driving a lot for work. So I go through a lot of podcasts every week. Um, but yeah, that's it's like the perfect storm for me. I'm in the car, got the iPhone so I can download them easy. I just have nothing to do but time to kill. So that's why I'm such a podcast junkie. I listen to a lot of shows. I can totally understand like not really listening if you don't have that set up though. 
Yeah, I uh, I mean, the only time I listen to them now is if I drive to, like, Baton Rouge, which is about an hour to an hour and a half, like, northwest of me. Like, I went to Baton Rouge last week, which I talked about on the show, to go um, do some photography and stuff. And I actually did listen to some podcasts on the way there and back. Um but usually if I'm driving around town, I'm only, you know, driving like 20 minutes down to like the grocery store or like 20 minutes downtown and 20 minutes back. And I feel like unless I'm driving like 30 plus minutes, then it's not really even worth like putting a podcast on because most of the ones that I listen to or would listen to in the car are like anywhere from one to two hour long episodes. And I don't want to be that guy that like starts an episode and doesn't uh and just like stops it or you know doesn't go back to it or doesn't have an opportunity to listen to it like when I went to the gym a lot uh last like last year before I moved to Louisiana I listen to podcasts all the time in the gym um you know on the treadmill or on the elliptical or whatever because I didn't want to just listen to music it's really easy uh like I don't really like working out and whenever you're listening to people talk and listening to people have a conversation I feel like it's a lot easier to get lost in the time when listening to a conversation rather than listening to a bunch of like three or four minute songs in a row. But uh, I haven't been working out recently, nor have I been driving. I haven't been doing anything recently. So that's why I haven't been listening to podcasts. It's funny you say that because uh, I actually, I'll, I'll like put on one show in the morning and I will listen to it in chunks throughout the day. So like on my first, my morning commute every day is like four minutes. Uh, so I'll listen, I will listen to like the first four minutes of a podcast and then I will like stop. And, like, it'll take me, like, all day sometimes to get through one show on, like, on, like, certain days. And then other days, I'll go through, like, three podcasts in a day. So I will always have them on, though. I don't care if I've got one minute or five minutes or an hour. I'll put them on. So I'm definitely – God, I'm trying to think of the last time I've, like, listened to, like, music in the car. And I cannot remember what the last time that was. So I am definitely a podcast listener. Anyway, we're not here to talk about <laughs> podcasts, although I guess we're kind of doing one. But that's different. So anyway, Corey. Uh, so I, I'm drinking coffee. You doing okay tonight? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I took a nap, uh, before the show. Um, today was a very, well, today wasn't really a long day, but I was out, um, surprised. I was out doing photography all day at the skate park. So I was out like doing that. And so I squeezed a nap in, um, but before we, we kind of like already launched into banter, but like just before, let me preface it real quick, um, as we usually do before we dive in any deeper, um, as usual with the show, before we start talking about like super duper video game stuff, we do some little a little banter segment that might not necessarily be game related. Um, and just in case you're listening to the show, if you're new to the show, or if you even if you aren't new to the show, um, and you don't want to listen to Brad and I talk about our life updates or random bullshit or whatever, um, I do put uh, timestamps in the show notes, so you can just scroll down to the show notes. I generally put the timestamps of when the banter starts and then I put a timestamp for like every single game we talk about and then a timestamp for like a Q&A if we do questions or like the closing segment of the show. So just in case you just want to listen to us talk about one game or you want to listen to all the games but skip the banter, check that section. I have the timestamps down there. Um, but as Brad always says when he hosts, why would you want to skip the banter? Because apparently it's something that people like unless your name is Matt Cunningham. Um, but let's get into official quote-unquote banter after talking about podcasts for like 10 minutes um brad tell me on the official banter side what has been going on in your life for the past week <laughs> every time we bring up max max uh, name on the show i always think god what a hater what a hater that <laughs> matt coming <Cunningham> is <laughs> no that's actually just kidding he mac is a great guy and uh 
as 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 he is, I am not much of a banter listener. I am a I am a banter giver. I am not a banter taker. So I <laughs> I feel for him. But uh, people love this section, so on with it we go. Um, what is up with this? What is up with this week? It's been uh, a good week, man. It's been a really good week. Um, a couple things. First off, I don't like to get too philosophical on the show, but every once in a while, uh, I like to do that. And you know, I just got to say, I'm really liking where I'm at in life right now. I, I feel like um, I had a lot of struggles in my life. Didn't come from the best background. Didn't have uh, the best start to relationships. A lot of drama. Unwanted drama, by the add. Uh, you know, ups and downs, lots of crazy times. But now that I'm with my uh, my current family, my wife and my son, uh, Whitaker, and my situation where I'm at and I just feel like everything is kind of like coming together and I feel like it's really good. Like we had a day, I, I got the day off um, on Friday, which was really a nice surprise. So I just came home and I just was chilling with the family and it was like, nothing was going on. Like we weren't doing anything. We were just at home. Just, I think we're like eating food, watching TV or just, you know, playing games or something. But it was like totally like super Zen and peaceful. Like it just was really harmonious. And it was one of those moments where like, you really feel like that's really what life is all about. Like life is not about like, collecting a bunch of money or becoming super famous or getting the biggest house or the biggest car or whatever. I mean, I know a lot of people get caught up in that. A lot of people I know are caught up in that. And, you know, America in general is really slanted that way. Like we were taught to like focus on material goods all the time, to work more, to get more money. And that's how you get happy. And that's what, you know, that's what satisfaction is. But that's a load of horse shit. And like on a day like that, when I was just really like in tune with the family and we were all just kind of just sitting around, I mean, just that quiet moment, like, you know, no bad things were going on, there was no stress, you know, thankfully, we live in a place where there's no, you know, strife, like, there's no bombs, I mean, there's a lot of people who live in bad situations all across the earth, and we are fortunate enough here to have clean water, and food, and a roof over our heads, and it was a nice day, and I realize how fortunate um, I am, and we we, we were that day, and, and a lot of people don't have that, so I'm, I'm definitely appreciative um, but that's just, it was like one of those moments where I'm like, man, this is totally like what life is all about, man. This whole day, like, this is it. Like life is just a series of these moments. And hopefully you get a bunch of those moments before you die. Um, uh, but you know, maybe some people do, maybe some people don't, but for me, I was really happy to have at least one of those moments. And that was really nice, really nice thing. Um, so that was like my, my, my little Zen moment of the week. Uh, otherwise, uh, I've just been watching TV, so I can segue to TV unless you want to, unless you want to comment on my Zen. Uh, I don't probably think I have anything groundbreaking to say about your Zed happiness, I don't think. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> if, you, if you do have some groundbreaking stuff later, please feel free. You can circle back at any time. I'm happy to bring that back up. Uh, so watching a couple shows this week. Um, first off, I will talk about uh, a show from 2015 called Gallivant. It was on, I think, ABC or something like that. Have you heard of it, Corey? I have no idea what this is. All right. Nobody knows what this is. <laughs> it was, um, it's, it's a sh- two two seasons and it didn't have a lot of famous people on it i think probably the most famous person on it uh and that's relatively famous was timothy amundsen who played lassiter from psych that was on the usa network you ever see psych uh i know what it is but i haven't seen it ever oh okay so like it was all basically you know like b-level actors or below um not 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 to be insulting or anything. I mean, they're just no you know AAA people, but they were all really good. I thought they were good actors. The show is basically a medieval musical, as crazy as that sounds. Um, when I read the description of it, I, I couldn't believe that anybody at a network was going to pay money to put this on, but they did. And it's all about this guy named Galavant. He's like a knight, and he's falling in love with this uh, girl, and 
there's an evil king and you know the girlfriend gets taken away and he's gotta go on this quest to get her back and like through every show there's like three or four like full-on musical production numbers where they sing and they dance and they go through all this stuff it's really goofy and wink wink and uh, not serious in any way so I really liked it a lot. I like uh, the actors on it. My wife is a huge musical fan, and it was appropriate for families. There's a couple off-color jokes here and there, but in general, it was pretty safe. So we watched the first season, and I was like, oh my god, I can't believe that anybody paid to have this on, because this is not the kind of show that you see on network TV in America. And apparently, they were just as surprised as I was, because I thought for sure there was only going to be one season, and there was two, and it's on Netflix right now, by the way. So we start watching the first episode of season two and like literally half the episode is them singing about how surprised they were that they got renewed for a second season, like <laughs> straight up singing to the audience. Oh my God, I can't believe we got a second season. This is amazing. We're not unemployed. This is the best, blah, blah, blah. Like this fourth wall breaking. It was just hilarious. Um, this is not something I would recommend to anybody or everybody. And probably most people listening to the show probably would not be the correct viewing audience for this. But if you like musicals, and you like Wink Wink Nudge Nudge, Fourth Wall Breaking, um, I don't know, if, if medieval singing and dancing sounds good to you, and it's kind of a comedy, um, check it out. You can see the whole thing on Netflix. It's only two seasons. It's really short. You can watch the whole thing in a weekend if you don't really leave the house. Uh, I liked it a lot. I thought it was very good-natured, and it was really fun. And uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Mr. Amundsen. I liked him on Psych, and I liked him here. I thought he was great. He just really made the whole show, so... Uh, definitely into Gallivant. And um, we just watched the last episode tonight, and I'm really sad that there's nothing left to watch. Like, getting to the end of this show, really sad. That's, like, all there is. Have you ever... Uh, you think this might be something you uh, would watch, Corey? Uh, I don't think so. I don't really watch a lot of TV in general. I mean, the, the only thing I watch regularly is, like, Star Trek seasons, which I'm working my way through Voyager right now. Um... But I don't really like musicals either, so this doesn't really seem up my alley at all. I don't blame you. I don't think this is really up anybody's alley. I mean, it got canned hardcore at the end of the second season, and I was shocked it got renewed. So I don't think... I, I have no idea how the show even got on the air in the first place. Somebody must have lost a bet, or somebody must have owed somebody something, because <laughs> it just defies description. But it's on Netflix. You can check it out if you have Netflix. Get the whole thing. The other show, also a Netflix show, is The Defenders, which just debuted... This past week, this was the new season of the Marvel quote-unquote street-level heroes shows that have been going on on Netflix. Uh, started off with Daredevil, and then it went to Jessica Jones, and then it went to Luke Cage, and then it went to Iron Fist. So all of those heroes are basically in the same city. And then The Defenders, which is the series that just debuted this week, this is all four of them like coming together meeting each other because, you know, eventually they were going to bump into each other being in the same city and all being kind of, you know, superheroes of a sort. And then they kind of begrudgingly form a team and take on uh, the big bad that's been kind of uh, in all of the different series. Well, more or less, th this enemy has been popping up throughout all four of those series in, in one way or another. So this is kind of like the culmination of that where they're kind of wiping these guys out of the city. Um it's a good show so far. I, I've watched six of the eight episodes and uh, definitely into it so far. The Netflix shows have had ups and downs. I know a lot of people uh, liked Daredevil at first and then people kind of cooled off in the second season. Jessica Jones did really well. Uh, people were hot and cold on Luke Cage and basically everybody on Earth did not like Iron Fist, even though I thought it wasn't as bad as people were saying it was. 
Um, but the Defenders is great. There's a lot of jokes. There's a lot of, um, I don't know, just like little little moments that you might think that superheroes might have amongst themselves that maybe you don't see in the comics too often or just, you know, like, like how weird would it be to be a superhero and you meet another superhero and you're like standing in the same room, you know, and like, what do you talk about? Like, that's awkward. And Hey, how's the weather? And I, I can punch through a concrete wall. What can you do? And, you know, it's, it's weird. It's weird, but it's fun. And I really like it. And I have been enjoying, I think it's, it's also, um, kind of a, I don't want to say a turnaround for the guy who plays Iron Fist, but I know that a lot of people were really, really down on Iron Fist. Now, that's not without reason. I felt like the writers really let that show down. They didn't quite find the right tone for Iron Fist as a hero. Um, he's not really a dark, grim and gritty superhero, kind of like the other ones have been. And I think the writers should have broken out of that mold before um, taking on that series. So I know people don't like the actor, but I really don't think it's the actor's fault. I really feel like it's the writers who let him down. And he does uh, shine a little brighter in this series. Um, I don't think he's miscast. I think he is a good fit to play Iron Fist. I just think he needs a little bit better writing. And he gets a little bit better writing in this in this series. So um, overall, I'm really happy that they brought these heroes together. It's been a really fun show. And I'm really looking forward to uh, where it goes next. I mean, I believe they're bringing a Punisher uh, series to Netflix. And uh, I don't know, anybody who watched the Punisher's appearances on Daredevil, he was awesome. The Punisher was great. He was really, really good. So I'm very excited for that. And I think Jessica Jones is getting a second season. So also excited for that. But Netflix is really doing these street level heroes, uh, doing justice to them. Um, my only thought is that I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Corey, but doesn't Disney own Marvel right now? I think they do, don't they? Uh, I feel like I've heard, well, I think that they do, but the, I mean, oh my God. Because the whole rumor right now is like Disney is cutting its ties from Netflix to like make its own streaming movie service or video service thing. And I think that there's like a, a big legal, like well, what's going to happen with these shows on Netflix. Cause I think Netflix, like the last thing I read, if I'm not mistaken, is that Netflix has like the copyright for these shows for another like year or two or something like that. And then they like renegotiate. So, um, that is the hullabaloo at the moment, but I don't, I don't really know what all, cause I'm sure it's under like layers and layers and layers and layers of paperwork and copyright law and all this ridiculous stuff. But it will be interesting to see what happens out of this mess of uh, Disney kind of cutting itself off of Netflix. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going with that. I mean, I wouldn't miss like the Disney movies being off of Netflix. I mean, we don't really watch them that often. My son is a fan of those, but you know, I, I wouldn't be heartbroken if the Disney, like, animated films left Netflix. Um, but, you know, it was cool to see some of the Star Wars stuff on Netflix. That would, of course, go. But I was most concerned about these shows because if if I'm not mistaken and Disney does own Marvel like I think they do, uh, I, I think Netflix has been, been doing overall a great job. And I would really hate to see that end, you know, if Disney decides to take all of these street-level hero shows off and do that on their own streaming thing. Like, God, what would happen? Would they get all the actors? Would they get all of the creative talent? Like, what would, you know, it just it seems like a really big upheaval. Hopefully that doesn't happen because I, these shows have been a real joy for me. I really look forward to them. So hopefully this, like, big financial deal isn't the end of them. But we shall see, I suppose. So anyway, that is all I have to talk about this week. Corey, what do you want to uh, bant about, sir? Um, this is going to be, like, breaking news for the show this week. But... I literally have like no banter for the show this week. Like, oh my god, not even a single piece of banter. I, I mean, I 
I really like don't have like I have some stuff I could say, but I don't think it's anything like interesting enough to talk about. Like I really haven't done a whole lot this week. I've been sitting around uh, editing batches of photos from stuff that I because I took a lot of pictures last week. Like I talked about on the show last week, I went out like three days in a row and photographed uh, Bob Reese, who was a pro free runner, free runner while he was in town, and then I photographed a uh, the Ninja League a qualifier thing. And so basically all I've been doing this week is like sitting at the computer, like editing photos. And today I went to the skate park because I haven't been out to the skate park in a long time and took pictures. So I just like added even more pictures to my queue that I'm going to have to look through and edit because I took almost 900 pictures today. So I really have not done a whole lot. And I don't think I've done a whole lot that's really worth talking about, uh, honestly. So in the interest of uh, not putting our listeners to sleep, we can maybe just move right into Games Talk. Dang. Okay. Well, I'm going to put you down for Banter 1.5 next week, so uh, you better <laughs> pick up the slack, bro. Uh, but okay, I'm ready to jump into games if you are. Yeah, I just don't, like, I don't, I don't want to, like, I'm not one of those guys who, like, needs to, like, hear myself talk about things, and I, like objectively don't think I've done anything interesting enough in the past seven days to be like, all right, I want to talk about this for 15 minutes. So like, you know, in the interest of time and me not being super boring, I think we can just move on. And I'm sorry, listeners, if you like hearing me talk about shit that's going on in my life, um, I really haven't done a whole lot. Like I said, been sitting around at the desk, editing photos, uh, cooking food. I like went grocery shopping once, but that's all stuff that's not interesting enough to talk about. So I don't really think it's necessary. Well, okay then. We shall uh, we shall mark you down as zero in the banter column, and we'll we'll circle back next week. Indeed, I will do my best this week to do at least like one exciting thing to talk about. But uh, I really, really can't make any promises, so we'll see. <laughs> all right, all right. So, shall we do it? Uh, yeah, let's move on to games talk. Uh, we have quite a swath of games to talk about tonight. Uh, Brad, you have more games to talk about than I do. Um, cause I haven't even, I've been spending so much time editing photos and doing that kind of stuff that I haven't even really been playing a ton of games this week. So do you want to get us started on games talk? Yeah, man, I got, I've been playing a bunch of stuff, nothing like super in depth. So maybe these are kind of uh, shallower takes than I usually would have. Uh, but I do have some stuff to talk about, so let's just get into it. The first thing, um, I think probably is going to be of interest to a lot of people at this particular point in time. Uh, no Man's Sky, uh, developed by Hello Games, published by Sony Interactive, originally released August 9th, 2016, so just about a year ago, and the reason that we, or I, am going to be talking about it now, although I'm sure you have something to chip in, Corey, is that they just released a brand new patch. Uh, I think the most recent one is patch 1.32, which came out on August 17th of this year, um, so just to, to back up a little bit, I'm not going to get into all of the rigmarole around No Man's Sky. I'm sure that most people who listen to this podcast are already pretty familiar with it. Um, you know, they had this game, they promised a lot, or at least the press promised a lot. It, you know, the hype got out of control, the game arrived, and people were really disappointed. Shit got real bad for Hello Games for a while. But they've been chugging along, and they have been releasing um, patches here and there. And I I was interested in this game because I like the concept of the game. Um, I... I can hardly imagine that people listening to the show are not familiar with it, but it's basically a, uh, I don't know, they describe it as a chill game, just kind of a, you know, really relaxing uh, hangout ex exploration game. But you basically 
play the role of a pilot who has had some kind of an accident or something. You wake up with amnesia, snore, oh God. Uh, and you are on this planet, your ship is wrecked. You got to collect materials to fix your ship, fix your suit. And then once your ship is repaired, you can fly to other planets and just like wash, rinse, repeat. There's aliens to meet. There are, I don't know, like languages to decode or something. Uh, apparently it's like a near infinite procedural generation in terms of the planets. So that's got that going on. Um, I, I knew this game didn't really grab me a lot at the beginning when it first was released last year, but I like the idea of it. And once people started talking about, oh, this game does not feel finished. This game doesn't have the features they promised. What, you know, this is a ripoff, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm going to hold off. I picked up a copy really, really cheap. Uh, I think it was like seven or eight dollars from GameStop and I just I held on to it I just I didn't start it up didn't didn't dip in didn't do anything because um, I had a feeling that if Hello Games was going to keep chipping away at it that this game would eventually be worth playing uh, very similar to what I did with Fallout New Vegas I've mentioned this before on the show but uh, when Fallout New Vegas came out I love I loved Fallout 3 and I really was excited to play Fallout New Vegas but the reports of that game on console were horrible. I mean, all sorts of bugs, glitching, data being wiped. And I'm like, oh my God, I really want to play this game, but it sounds like a nightmare. So I literally bought the game and then I did not play it for like a year. I just sat on it, even though I really, really wanted to play it, but I was waiting for all the patches. And once it got fixed up in good shape, then I dove in and I had a wonderful experience. I thought I would do the exact same thing with No Man's Sky. I bought it, sat on it, I heard that this most recent patch was like a really, really big deal, which added a lot of features and a lot of content, new story modes, like 30 hours of story. It added vehicles that were not there before It added all sorts of fixes. And I'm like, okay, this seems like this might be a good time to jump in. And honestly, if they don't have their shit together after a year post-launch, this game is never probably going to come together, right? So fired it up for the very, very first time yesterday. Very excited. Downloaded the patch. Uh, had a cup of coffee, sat down, got all ready to jump in, start playing the game. I fucking hate this game, dude. This game <laughs> oh sucks. My God. I fucking hate this game. Uh, <laughs> I had a really, really, really negative experience with it. Um, before I go on, Corey, do, have you played this at all? Yeah, I have. Um, and I'll, I'll, I will offer a, a snippet of my background, and then we can talk more about it after you tell me about your negative okay. experiences. But, um... Basically, whenever No Man's Sky came out, I was not interested in this game at all. Like, really at all. Like, I knew... I mean, this this game honestly had the biggest hype train following it. I mean, it was probably the most anticipated game of last year or of, like, several years because it had it been in development for so long. Yeah. Crazy, so crazy. Yeah, totally ridiculous. And Patrick was really interested in it. So he bought the game, or he had it, like, pre-ordered on PSN for the PlayStation 4, and... The night that it went live last year in August, um, he had to, he, I mean, he went to bed for work or something. And of course it doesn't unlock until like 11 PM or midnight or whenever, depending on what like coast they unlock it on. And, and so it unlocked and I was home and I was like, well, I'll just play it. Like I, I mean, what do I have to lose? Like I'll jump in, I'll kind of see what it's about. I really have no stakes in this. I didn't pay for it. Like, let me just see what it's about. So I played it for about two hours and once I figured out that there really wasn't much more to do in the game other than just like fly to planets and like collect materials and try to like because you can like trade materials and you can build stuff and you can 
get different ships and you can like build little bases or not even build bases, but you could like check in into bases on different planets. You know, I just came to the conclusion that, okay, this game is not really that interesting. It's not for me. You know, I wasn't looking forward to it, so it's not that big of a deal. Like, but I jumped in and I saw what it was about. And whenever they released a patch about, I think it was about six months ago or so, they released like the first big patch for it that added like a bunch of like base building mechanics where you could like go in, kind of like the settlement thing in Fallout 4, where you could like really go in and like build an actual base on a planet and kind of like build your own like laboratory and your own like hideout and whatnot. They added like three game modes. They added like a permadeath mode. They added a, what they called a creative mode, which is basically just like an infinite materials, like kind of like Minecraft, like build whatever you want mode. Um, I played that. Um, I jumped back in for about, I don't know, maybe a half an hour. I think they added a jet pack at that point, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so I just like jumped back in to see what it was about. Literally hadn't played it since the two hours when it launched. And even with, because I'm not interested in base building at all. So like that wasn't really a thing that I was like clamoring for. But, you know, I played it. Thought I'd give it another fair shake, and it. I basically came away with the same with the same impression. Like it's just not really my kind of game. It's not for me. The new base building mechanics were not something I was remotely interested in playing. And then that was it. So I, I knew that the story uh, patch had come out recently, like like what you're talking about. And I'm actually interested in playing it again just to see like what the story mode is, how it is, because I'm already familiar enough with the mechanics and, like, have, have played it a little bit to see, um, you know, because this is the kind of game that I could get interested in if the story was actually there, because that's kind of the thing that was really missing from it from the past year. Um, but it sounds to me like even that's not enough to make it interesting. So tell me about, um, tell me about your experiences so far with it. All right, so I kind of basically knew what the game was, and I, you know, when after hearing about all this stuff that got added, and this is, you know, now people were saying the game was quote-unquote complete, I'm like, okay, well, let's let's give this a shot. Um, I, I gotta say, like, first impressions of this game were horrible, really <laughs> horrible. Um, I really did not like the UI, like, it was really busy and really kind of cluttered and didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, and then, like, there was a lot of information that was, like, able to be like looked up and read by myself if I wanted to, but like it wasn't really being presented to me in the game. It doesn't have a traditional tutorial of sorts, which I thought it really needed because um, once I, I touched down, it, it told me a couple things to do and I did those okay. And then once the tutorial messages stopped popping up, I just was like really at a loss. Um, I, I did a couple things. I collected some materials. That was fine. Fixed my ship a little bit, but I still wasn't ready to do anything. I didn't have enough of a suit to like wander around and explore and I thought that maybe the exploration would be fun but I kept I was on a toxic planet and I get that every planet you start on is random so maybe I just had bad luck but like I was on this freaking toxic planet so I couldn't walk too far from my ship because the toxicity was was it wasn't crazy high but it was high enough to like really keep me close to home base and so I wasn't able to wander and then uh, I got to this point where it's like oh you need to make this piece of equipment and I could not figure out what to do it was driving me insane and i am the kind of person who feels like a game should not make you jump online to read an faq or a walkthrough to get started on a game and you know if there's some arcane secret that's really like extra and you don't need it to finish the game sure i'll look that up and that's fine but like i just started i was like playing the game less than an hour and i was already dead stuck and i could not figure out how to make this thing i needed to make 
I went through all the menus, went back and forth. I tried different buttons and I'm like, you know, just nothing, nothing worked. Nothing worked. I couldn't figure it out. So I'm like, well, maybe I just need to find the right material. Maybe I don't have the material. Maybe that's why I can't do this. And so I started uh, looking around. I started burning through all of the little resources that I had in order to go further and further in search of this thing. And I could not figure it out. And I was just, I was just mad. I was just mad at that point because <laughs> I've played games. Okay. I am not a fucking greenhorn who's never touched a PS4. I've, I've been playing games for 30 fucking years. Like I know games, right? So like I knew this was probably a developer problem. They're not being very clear or, or, or uh, transparent about what they want me to do. So I just got frustrated and I, I put a message out to Twitter and people are like, oh yeah, you got to push uh, up on the D-pad. And I'm like, oh my God, like I feel like I maybe, <laughs> maybe I must not have pushed up on the D-pad, but it's like there's this whole menu of stuff that's, that's mapped to up on the D-pad. Either they didn't tell me about it or maybe they told me about it so briefly that it was not like highlighted. Maybe they didn't make me do it at the time. I mean, there's a real art to making a well done tutorial. And whenever I, I find a good tutorial, I think that's great. I am definitely not one of those people who's like, oh, fuck tutorials. God, it's so boring. They take forever. I just want to get to Like, fuck that. Like, if, if that's you, there's something wrong because you need to learn how to play a game. Every game is different. Every game brings something new to the table. And I really appreciate a well-done tutorial because of games like this when you get a shitty tutorial and you don't know what the fuck's going on and you don't know what to do. And it's not like I'm not one of these developers who's been working on this game for three fucking years. Like, I am somebody who doesn't know anything about this game. And I think developers, like, lose sight of that after a while. They just, they lose perspective. And so I got so stuck, burned up all my resources, got really just angry and frustrated because I couldn't figure out what to do. And all it was was, like, up on the D-pad and then make this one machine, which I could have made, like, an hour before I made it. And I'm like, fuck this. This is ridiculous. Um... So I got really frustrated, really just really poor first impression of it. And um, as people who listen to the show may know, I'm not much for grinding or collecting or crafting anyway. Like, I'll do it in service to a story or if the gameplay is really fantastic. Like, if there's cool combat, but you have to grind. Um, you know, like the people say, oh, Brad, 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 Monster Hunter is nothing but grind. How can you play that? You're a hypocrite. No, I'm not. Because the combat in Monster Hunter is fucking amazing. I put up with the grinding to get to the combat. But No Man's Sky... Uh, it's just grind from what I can tell. You walk around, collect some materials, build something that leads you to build something else. You got to collect some more materials, fly another planet. Like it's boring. <laughs> I didn't come across anything that was really enough story to hook me. I was really frustrated with just not being able to do things, the slow walking, like not really seeing anything interesting. And I was like, this, this sucks. This really sucks. So <laughs> I put it aside I had some people on Twitter tell me to come back and give it a shot in creative mode, which I guess is a fairly new addition. I don't know how new it is. Um, so I'm like, well, that seems to really defeat the purpose because why would I want to just, you know, have everything handed to me? I mean, creative mode in Minecraft is one thing because it's basically virtual Legos, but this is like supposed to be a game. Like you're supposed to play and if there's everything's handed to you, that's not really fun. So I'm like, well, okay, fine. I'll try it. I'll just see. Maybe my opinion will change. And once I was able to play the game with like no limits on resources, every single thing unlocked immediately and I could see what the game was going for. I'm like, okay, like I get, I get what's in here. Um, but I'm not interested in playing it now because everything is unlocked. If this had been more of a breadcrumb trail where it's like, you know, a little bit of story, this leads you to make something that you feel like is a big step forward. That leads you to do something else, you know, a little bit more narrative in there. And maybe that would have been enough to drag me along, but 
you know, I, I, I drove the new cars. I uh, flew the new jetpack. I, you know, upgraded my suit that I wasn't able to do before. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm done. I don't really want to play this anymore. <laughs> There's nothing left for me here. It's not interesting in the survival mode. It's really fucking irritating. And, you know, if I want to do something creative, I can just jump into Minecraft and play with my son. I don't need to play this No Man's Sky at all. So I don't see anything here for me. I know some people really dig it. That's cool. I support that. I, I share your love of something. I do not share your love of this game, though. Uh, but this mm. game is clearly not for me. So, Corey, uh, your your further thoughts. Uh, I'm, I, I will probably, I'm going to try to make it a point to play this game again this week because, um, Patrick has actually been playing it a lot over the past few days and I haven't What does actually, he like about it? How is he playing this? I, I don't know. I haven't even like really asked him like, Hey, what do you think? Um, but I don't think Patrick necessarily plays games in the same way that you and I play games, but, um. But I, I mean, because he's been exploring a lot of planets, he's been taking a lot of pictures of like the weird animals and like landscapes that are on, um, you know, that are, that are on the different planets because every planet kind of has a slightly unique like look and feel and danger level and like flora and fauna. Um, but I also, I don't know what like game mode he's playing on. I don't know if he's doing like the story mode or like the creative mode or just like the regular like exploration mode. Um, but I'm going to try to sit down with this again this week and play more of it because having the the very small background that I do in it, because I probably only played it for maybe about three hours total, like two hours a night I started it, one hour maybe after the patch that came out like six months ago that did like the creative mode and uh, and like the permadeath mode and stuff. I, I'm interested in turning it back on just to see like, what the story mode stuff is because the the original game didn't really have much of a story like the point quote unquote was to get to like the center of the universe like to atlas and figure out like what it is but it's not really like that there was no like narrative thread taking you there in the original so i'm wondering if the story mode will like have some kind of like hook or something um so just to see like from my previous experiences playing it and not really being that interested in it to playing it now that the story mode is there and seeing how much uh, difference I notice in, you know, maybe the minute-to-minute gameplay or how any segments of story are given out or, or whatnot. But um, I'm not uh, I'm not expecting this game to, like, knock my socks off whenever I put it in for the third time, not that it has, like, the story mode or whatever, you know, kind of narrative uh um, additions, but I will, I, I'm interested to just see what, what they've done coming from someone who's played it basically on every big patch so far, except for this one. Yeah. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe you will appreciate it more than I did because I mean, me coming to it brand new and walking into this final, you know, or, or I don't know, near final version of this game. I just was like super, like not impressed. I mean, I'm not, I'm not one who likes survival games. I think they're just like, it doesn't, Nothing about survival games is fun to me. I don't understand why people enjoy those. I don't I don't get that. That loop doesn't work for me. And that kind of seems like to be at the basis of No Man's Sky. So, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I, you know, it was just irritating to play. I flew around in the spaceship, which people told me was amazing. And I'm like, this is boring. This whole thing is boring. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm one with the universe. I'm not impressed by any of this. This seems like... No. No, 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 no. And no. And I, I'm done. I'm not coming back to it. 
Uh, my son really likes it, and that's fine because he likes the screw around open world games. He likes to do this sort of thing, uh, and that's cool. I let him have it. You're welcome to it, and he's enjoying it. But uh, for me, I'm done. I'm done. So uh, I look forward to your full report, and that is all that I have to say on No Man's Sky. Excellent. I will do my best to report back next week after I uh, dip back in a little bit. Right on, right on. Now, sir, you have been playing something. I actually have played this before, but not very much. I'm curious to see your take on this. You've been playing some Resident Evil Revelations dose. <laughs> Uh, that is a fact. Um, and for those who don't know, which probably just about everybody listening to the show doesn't know, um, I actually reviewed every episode of this for Game Critics as it came out because this was an episodic game. Um, Jesus, did you? Yeah, I mean, it's only four episodes, but yeah, I did. God, man, I don't remember that at all, dude. Really? <laughs> I'm going to look it up. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Resident Evil, okay, so let me, let me give the background on the game. Uh, Resident Evil Revelations 2 is, uh, as, believe it or not, it's the second game in the Resident Evil, uh, colon, Resola uh, Revelations, uh, I guess, genre or series or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's developed and published by Capcom, surprise, surprise, because they do every, just about every Resident Evil game. Uh, the first episode actually came out in February of 2015, which seems like a really long time ago. Uh, the last episode came out in March of 2015. Basically, what Capcom did here was they released every episode. There's only four episodes, and every episode has two kind of like story missions in it, and they released one per week. So basically, one new episode came out every week for a month, and then that was like the self-contained story for Resident Evil Revelations. Um Something that I think is really interesting about uh, this game, and I actually forgot about this until I was looking up all of like the technical uh, information about it, is that this game is out on fucking every platform. It's out on the Xbox 360, the Xbox One, the PlayStation 3, the PlayStation 4. It is even on the PlayStation Vita, and it's on the PC. And uh, Capcom right now is working on a version of Resident Evil Revelations, the first one, and the second one, which I'm going to be talking about tonight, for the Nintendo Switch. So, like, it's basically on every platform except for, like, the Wii U and the Wii, um, as far as I know. And also, for those who don't remember, the first Resident Evil Revelations was originally a 3DS exclusive. It was announced for Nintendo 3DS. Um, it launched for Nintendo 3DS probably like three or four years ago. And then eventually uh, they made like an HD quote unquote version that I think came out on the 360 and the PlayStation 3. Um, and they're bringing, whenever they bring the first one to Switch, they're bringing in a version to the PlayStation 4 and to the Xbox One as well. Um, so I think that's pretty impressive about this game is that it's out on like every console. But it also very much looks like it's out on every console. And by that, I mean... The, the Resident Evil Revelation series is not, like, a super-duper triple-A, like, Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 5, Resident Evil 6, like, graphical powerhouse with, like, you know, all this stuff going on. They're much... Uh, they don't look as good, which is fine, because I don't need games to look great. Um, you know, it obviously kind of just looks like an Xbox 360 game, because that's uh, kind of the base platform it came out on. Um, but... To talk about the story just a teeny bit, Resident Evil Revelations 2 uh, has Claire back in the game for the first time since Resident Evil Code Veronica. And I love Claire. She's like maybe my favorite um, character in the Resident Evil universe. And she comes back. She's working for um, some kind of like bioterrorism company or something. Not bioterrorism company, but like a cleanup company. Um, 
and she gets kidnapped with Barry Burton, who was in uh, Resident Evil 1. Uh, her daughter, or his daughter, I'm sorry, um, Moira, they get kidnapped because it's Moira's first day at this company that Claire works for. They get kidnapped, they get put on this island, and basically they kind of go through like a series of tests um, to try to escape this island that a mysterious person is putting them through. But long story short, it's basically just kind of like third person over the shoulder shooting, very much like Resident Evil 4, 5, and 6, uh, kind of similar mechanics. Uh, the cool thing that the story has going for it is that every uh, episode has two chapters, and the first chapter you play as Claire, and the second chapter you play as Barry. And it's kind of like toward the beginning, you play through Claire's chapter, and then Barry's chapter takes place like in around the same area that Claire's chapter came, uh, was in. But you're not always clear if Barry is kind of exploring their, the area before or like after Claire was there because Barry's trying to figure out where his daughter is. But uh, it's got a nice like kind of, it's not really like a time mechanic, but it's just like a like mystery of like, well, when is he, how far after is he exploring this place to when they were there or maybe he got there first or something like that. Um, but that was uh, that was a lot of info. Do you have anything to say, Brad, before I go on about what I've specifically been playing this week with it? No, no. I mean, I think you summed it up pretty well. I actually have played this. I played part of this game when it came out in a collection. I did not play it when it was coming out episodically. Uh, but I remembered hearing about it because a lot of people uh, that I were talking to say they really liked how it came out. Like, uh, you know, like every week or whatever it was, they said that they liked it because it was done. And a lot of people who were releasing episodic games at the time were doing that model of like, yeah, we'll release the first one and then we're going to hurry up and do the next one. And then hopefully <laughs> it'll come out when it comes out. But Capcom clearly had all of these done because they came out like clockwork and people really liked that. And plus they felt like uh, it was a good chunk of content for the time, just enough to make you feel like you played enough, but to keep you wanting more for the next week. So um, I it got a lot of props for doing episodic correct, but I didn't hit it then i uh i i got to it when it was a collection of everything on one disc and my wife and i played it uh co-op which was okay i think we i think we enjoyed it all right we fell off of it for some reason never finished i don't quite remember why um i think because i just thought it was just like standard resident evil and then nothing about it really stood out to me but it was a while ago memory's a little hazy but we didn't finish it although it was fine but why are you even playing this now like what brought you back to this after reviewing it for uh, the website well whenever i was playing it originally um I, I thought it was pretty good i mean i think this game is definitely above average um i would i mean it's sort of commonly regarded that resident evil 6 is like one of the worst in the franchise and i feel like this game is better than resident evil 6 which isn't really saying a whole lot but i feel like the fact that Revelations 2 hasn't really been publicized a whole lot. Like, I feel like that a lot of people don't even realize that the Revelations games are sort of, like, out there. It's sort of like Capcom's, like, B-team, like, Resident Evil kind of thing. Um, but I think this game is good. So if if you're listening to me talk about this game, um, I definitely recommend it. I think it's good. But the reason why I've been playing it this week is because um, Resident Evil Revelations has a game mode called Raid Mode, and Resident Evil 4, 5, and 6 have a game mode called Mercenaries Mode, which is basically like a timed level where you're in it, um, you're basically fighting a bunch of enemies, and like a 
closed area and there's a time limit and you can find like time bonuses in the area and damage bonuses. And I, I love the mercenaries mode. I've played probably, I've played a lot of Resident Evil 5, like a lot, like hundreds, I think of hours of Resident Evil 5. And I think most of that has been mercenaries mode. Like mercenaries is probably like tipping over the time that I spent in the story mode. Um, I think mercenaries is just the best, but Revelations 2 has, and Revelations before it has raid mode and it's kind of similar you're in um sort of like an arcade like linear um sort of like small level sometimes you have a time limit sometimes you don't and there's different objectives per the levels like some of the levels have like the objective is like kill everything and some of them are like protect this like statue thing you know through waves of enemies and some are like get to the end before the time runs out but basically more or less it's all about like killing things for the most part and it's a very arcade centric uh a game mode because you have all the characters and they get xp after every level that they complete um so they level up as they level up they unlock more um, skills that they can use like they have some like every character can carry up to four weapons but most of the characters have you have to reach a certain level before all four um, weapon slots are unlocked. Like maybe they'll have one uh, weapon slot at level one, and then like at level fifteen they'll have two, and you know level like twenty they'll have three, or you know, and so on and so forth. And they also have skills, um, and some of them are passive skills where you um, maybe you'll have like a little shield or something that can like withstand one enemy uh, hit before it recharges, or maybe you can like crouch to inflict more handgun damage or something silly like that and then some of them are just straight up like weapons like they have like a firebomb bottle you can throw or, like an ice bottle or something like that you know kind of like a cocktail um type thing but um raid mode is just excellent i think it's so phenomenal it's like the perfect sort of like arcadey comfort food gaming like i don't necessarily do a lot of like comfort food gaming and by that i mean like have that game or that mode that you can always just kind of come back to whenever you don't really have a whole lot else to play. Um, but this is one of them, and I haven't played raid mode in a really long time, but I was thinking to myself, like, well, I haven't played it in a long time. Like, maybe I should just check in and see what's going on. And the cool thing about Capcom is they do uh, daily challenges and they do weekly challenges. So you have, um, you know, every day there's, like, a brand new level that they have. And it's kind of just, like, a recycled level of one they already do, but it has, like, a certain parameter that you have to meet to finish it, and then you can unlock, like, revive crystals if you die in a level if you do it, or you can unlock more XP, and they have, like, player or, like, character-specific levels that you can do. Like, maybe you can only play as Chris, you know, for this challenge level or something, or you can only play as Claire or something like that. But uh, I just think raid mode is fantastic. Like, I, I didn't think that they could make something better than mercenaries mode. And I don't know if raid mode is better per se, but it's just like different enough in a really excellent way. And you can do split screen co-op, you can do online co-op, or you can do it by yourself. So it's kind of neat because like, you know, if like if your wife were there or if like Patrick's around and maybe he wants to play or something, then you can just... Uh, you know, back out to the menu, do split screen co-op with it, or you can do it single player co-op. And I just really enjoy the mechanics and the arcadiness and like the sense of leveling up in raid mode. And I, I that's basically just what I've been playing this week because I haven't had a whole lot else to play. I just put it back in and I jumped right back in where I left off before. I mean, there's like hundreds of little challenge levels to do and I haven't finished all of them. And even if I had finished all of them, 
I would want to go back and play them with other characters maybe to level those characters up. Um, but that's basically it. That was, I just talked a lot, but I, I just think that raid mode is like an excellent sort of comfort food arcade gaming experience. And if you missed out on Revelations 2 or it didn't look interesting to you, uh, maybe some of the things I just said might change your mind on it. So just to be clear, and I'm sorry for being dense, this is offline, right? You're not playing against real people in this mode, are you, or are you? No, no, it is you. You can do online co-op if you want, but it is like PvE. Like, it's you versus a bunch of just AI, like zombies or liquors or whatever. Um, Yeah, it's definitely, it's not like a versus mode by any means. Okay, that had me confused because I've actually heard many people talk about this mode. I mean, you're not by no means the first person I've heard who has raved about this mode. Uh, but from what I heard, it always seemed like kind of an online versus thing. So I just ignored it because I'm totally not like an online versus kind of guy. Um, but no, if it's just like, um, this or, I mean, is there any end point to it or no? You just kind of like level up infinitely. Like, do you ever like finish it or no? I mean, technically you can finish every level. Like they have different tiers. Like they have like the, there's like a yellow tier an orange tier and a red tier, And each tier has, like, I don't know, like, 20, um, I don't know what the right word is, like, stages. And in each one of those stages, whenever you open it up, or each one of those numbers, there's, like, five levels in it to complete. So there's, like, a lot of levels in here. And a lot of them are recycled, or, like, it'll be the same environment with very similar parameters to, like, one that's been before. So it starts feeling a little bit samey, but it's not, like... I don't know, samey enough for me to, like, really care that much. Because, I mean, it's kind of like in Mercenaries mode where, like, say you in Resident Evil 5, you only have, like, five maps, and that's it. And you just have to, like, keep trying those maps with those characters over and over again. Um, So, I mean, technically, you can beat all the levels, but um, I don't know. I mean, you can keep playing it as much as you want at the same time to keep leveling up or keep getting new weapons. Like, there, there's weapons that you can unlock in every level. Like, there are little chests around the levels, and you can open them, and it'll have, like, a shadowy-looking gun or, like, a part, and you can research the guns in the lobby whenever you get back to see what you what you got. And every different gun has can be level 1 to 100, I think. So there's, like, a bunch of different guns you can get. There's weapon parts you can get where you can add, like freeze ammo to your guns or like flame ammo or electric ammo or like all these different sort of like buffs that you can put on guns and some guns have like four slots for you to put like buffs on and some have like two slots and some have six and there's just like a lot of customization you can do um that makes it that gives it a lot more depth than just playing kind of like the same maps over and over again um did did that answer your question yeah, I think I've got a better idea. I, I haven't really had anybody explain it to me like that before. But then again, to be fair, I wasn't really asking because, <laughs> like I said, I thought it was PvP, which is not my jam. That sounds, yeah, I mean, that sounds okay. I don't usually go in for modes like that, but I have heard about it. I have heard the raves. I mean, it would be worth checking out. Is it exclusive to this? Um, like, what, what, is there a new collection coming out or where are you playing this on? Like, what's, how are you getting access to this? Uh, I'm playing it on just the PlayStation 4 right now from the original uh, version that I downloaded or that I bought whenever I played it. Because when you buy, um, I think how it works is when you buy like chapter one of Resident Evil Revelations 2, you get access to like a certain amount of raid mode levels. And then if you buy um, episode two, then you get more levels. Episode three, you get more levels. And episode four, you get like all of them. And plus they have a little bit of DLC, I think that you can buy that adds like, 
some more maps and stuff like that. So I'm playing it just from the maps that I have from buying all four episodes. Okay, so if I have the collection, Resident Evil Revelations 2 collection, which I'm pretty sure I downloaded at some point, that should be in there then. Like, if I re-download that, I should have access to this mode then that you're talking about? Yeah, you should have access to uh, everything except the... There's, like, one map pack online that, like, I think puts, like, some classic quote-unquote maps into it, um, but you should have access to everything except that unless you buy and download that too. Okay, well, I don't care about that. I mean, I would just, like dip in just to see what it was you were talking about firsthand because i i did i do remember playing this on ps4 and i didn't even bother to try that mode because i didn't you know didn't know anything about it didn't have any interest in checking it out but now that you're talking about it this does seem like something i would like to check out maybe not my jam because i'm not really up for a lot of these kind of you know repeat level up kind of grindy uh i mean i have to be in love with something first before i'll commit to it like that i probably wouldn't play it a lot but seems like something i would want to check out so thank you for illuminating this uh this subject for me i definitely <laughs> did not know as much about it before you started talking yeah it's uh it's kind of overwhelming at first because i remember when i first started playing it i was like geez i have all these different characters and they each have their own skills and i have to level each one of them up and i can collect all these guns and then there's gun parts and there's different levels and it's a little bit overwhelming at first but which i think was kind of a turnoff for me but once i sort of like fell into the groove of how nice just like the gameplay mechanics themselves are like from the moment to moment gameplay of like aiming and shooting and there's like a little dodge button to like dodge out of the way of enemies and uh once i really kind of got on board with how much i liked um the kind of like the minute to minute gameplay it made me want to play it more and most of the levels i mean only take like one level might take anywhere from three to like eight minutes so it's a nice thing to just be like okay i have 30 minutes to play video games right now like let me just knock out a few of these levels and have a little bit of fun and then i could turn it off like it's not like starting up a new episode where you have to you know you have like an hour an hour and a half to complete the whole mission um it's nice because it's just like little bite-sized levels you can jump into and play and then uh you know level your characters up or maybe get some new guns or level your guns up or something um i just think it's really it's really sophisticated in a way that i wouldn't expect from capcom i think as far as like the <laughs> gameplay depth goes but uh I, I really like it and i know whenever the first resident evil revelations came out uh raid mode was in that for the first time and i think that made a really big splash and i never got into that because i didn't think i think at the time i was like well I like mercenaries mode, so why would I play this? And then by the time the second one came around, um, I kind of like reevaluated and, you know, dipped a toe in. And now I think it's just phenomenal. I really, really enjoy it. Well, you have sold me, sir. I uh, was looking for something else to wet my whistle with this week. And this <laughs> seems like, uh, if nothing else, I will certainly download it as soon as we get done with this podcast and I will uh, give that a whirl. And you said co-op too, right? Yeah, I mean, if you want to play it, you can play it alone if you want. You can play it split screen. Um, or if you want to hit me up for online co-op, uh, I would be more than happy to assist you with that too. I don't know. I don't think you could do more than two characters. I was about to say like, oh, maybe me and you and your wife could play it. But I think it's only two-person co-op. But um, yeah, if you ever want to uh, want me to jump in with you for co-op, I would be happy to uh, play with you if you want to experiment with that. All right, cool, cool. Let me, uh, let me mark a little note to myself to download this and then we'll, we'll see where this takes us. We'll see where this takes us. Cool. Cool. Keep talking. I'm writing. 
Okay, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, if nobody's played this, um, I don't know when the Switch version is coming out, uh, but the Switch version might be a good opportunity to get into this as well, kind of a, as a rejuvenated way to to look into it. I feel like this would be a really good thing for Switch too, because you know the Switch is all about portability, and the cool thing about Raid Mode, like I said, is it only takes like a few minutes to play a mission, so like... You know, you take your switch out and uh, like on the train or in the cab or you know, and so you know somewhere where you're gonna be in line for a few minutes or something like that, and it would be perfect just to like knock knock a level or two out. Um, it's really, really actually now that I'm thinking about it, like really well designed for that. It was really smart of Capcom to bring uh, Revelations One and Two to Switch. I think it's a really smart decision on their part. Good fill, good fill. I'm good. I'm ready to go. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, okay. I'm officially done with Revelations 2. So, Such uh, a podcast pro. Like, at the drop of a hat, you're able to just keep talking. Feel that dead space. Um, Masterful. Indeed. Thank you, thank you. Um, what What else have you been playing this week? Well, this is kind of a weird week for me. Um, I ended up having an unusual amount of time to play a game, but nothing I was playing really clicked with me. I mean, it was it was so ironic. I was sitting, like... If I had hair, which I don't because I shaved my head, but if I did, I would have been pulling it out because I had, like, all this time to play a game and, like, nothing was clicking. So, <laughs> oh, it was really frustrating. I, a couple months ago, I had this, I don't know what happened, just out of the blue, I'm like, God, you know what was a good game? It was, like, Bionic Commando back on the 360s where I played it. It originally came out May 18th, 2009. It was published by Grin which was a Swedish developer. I don't think they're even a company anymore. I think they broke up uh, after the failure of this game, I think. Uh, or soon after that. Published by Capcom. Bionic Commando is, of course, a Capcom character. Uh, so this is taking us back a little bit. But as we say in the uh, opening of the show, you know, if we're playing it, we'll be talking about it. And that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> I First of all, have you ever played this game? I mean, I assume you must have known about it. Or did you know about it? Or have you played it? Uh, I knew it existed, although I have to be honest, in the preparation of getting show notes ready for this episode, I was in, like, a singularity of Bionic Commando because I was trying to add the detail notes for Bionic Commando to the show notes, and... I, like, looked up Bionic Commando online, and there's, like, the Bionic Commando from the NES days, like, the Nintendo NES, and then this game is also called Bionic Commando, you know, it's kind of like how you have, like, Doom and Doom and Tomb Raider and Tomb Raider, and and then there's Bionic Commando Rearmed, and then there's Bionic Commando Rearmed 2, and I was like, which fucking game is this? And I had a really <laughs> difficult time, but once I, because I had known what Rearmed was, for sure, um... But I, and once I saw the box art for just Bionic Commando, you know, Prime, if you will, um, I, I recognized it, but I have never played any of these games. So, um, you know, I know the premise, it's like the dude with like the robot arm or whatever, um, coming from a side scroller, right, on the NES. Um, yeah, exactly. Like Bionic Commando starts out as, I think it was actually in arcades first, if memory serves, and then it got a NES port, and the NES port was was quite different from the arcade game. But good, it was good. Uh, I've played both, and they were both enjoyable in their own way, but I really liked Bionic Commando. As people who listen to the show know, I have a weakness for uh, games which have towers, I have a weakness for jetpacks, and I have a weakness for grappling hooks. So uh, this game is probably the most grappling hooky out of every game that's ever been made. I love... <laughs> the grappling hook in this version of Bionic Commando. So to be clear, this is the one that stars Nathan Spencer, 
uh, he's the white guy with the dreadlocks. He's wearing camouflage pants. He's got a really massive, like, bionic or cybernetic or whatever arm uh, on his left arm. Uh, he got really made fun of a lot as a character because, the you know, white guy with dreads. I mean, that's not really standard uh, video game design. To be fair, it's not a great look, uh, but I've kind of gotten used to it over the years. Um, this game was also really poorly reviewed at the time. I was actually just discussing this with people earlier on Twitter, and they brought up a good point as I was kind of going back in time mentally to remember why people hated it so much. uh, I was reminded that when this game came out, that was in the middle of, like, open world fever when, like, everybody was designing open worlds and every single game had to be open world. I mean, we kind of went through a resurgence of that, like, this year and last year, but we had kind of gotten away from that for a while. And this, like, when this game came out, that was when a lot of games, like, that was the hotness. Like, you had to be open world. And I remembered a lot of reviews saying, oh, this game sucks because it's not open world. Well, okay, it's not, thank God, because I don't think it really would have benefited from that. I really like what they've done with it. But uh, people just really did not like this game. It didn't get any respect, which I think is a real shame. Um, So the premise is you play Nathan Spencer, Bionic Commando. He starts the game off in prison. Uh, the world is a weird place where cybernetic uh, terrorists have taken over and they get you out of prison because you're the only dude that can stop this because you are um, cybernetic yourself. And so you have an arm which has like this really awesome grappling hook, which is amazing. You can grapple onto so many things and you can swing like a motherfucker on that thing. <laughs> and it's got momentum and you can swing around and like launch yourself up and like catch something on the way down or pull yourself up. And you can just, like, do so many things with it. You can grab guys and pull them towards you, or you can grab guys and then, like, pull yourself towards them. You like, kick them in the face when you get there. Or you can pick up heavy things and throw it. I mean, you can do, like, a lot with this arm. And revisiting this game on 360 uh, today, I was like, damn, not only does this game look pretty good, like, it's actually really sophisticated in terms of just game design. Like, what they were doing on the 360 was, like, really, really impressive. I don't think people gave it credit for that at all. Um... So I just jumped into it today and I just like immediately remembered like everything that I love about this game. I think this game is so fantastic. Uh, Very, very, very underrated. Even today, Um, I meet very few people who like it, but the people who do like it, love it. Like I do. I think it's just fantastic. Um, Also, I got to say, I really like the story. This game gets a lot of shit for its story. Now, I don't want to spoil this because... I'm sure there are people out listening to the show who have never played this game who may be interested uh, to play this game. I would say go do it. It's only going to cost you like five bucks to pick this up somewhere. Play it on 360. I think it's on PC. It's also on PS3. Um, now, I've talked to the developers uh, of this game. They actually wrote me an email when they read my review and they actually thanked me personally for writing it, what they felt like was a decent review uh, because they were really reeling from the negativity they were getting at the time. Uh, undeserved. So I talked to them for a little bit and I had a lot of questions for them because I thought the story was actually pretty cool and it was getting just so much hate for the story. There's a, there's a very famous twist, which I will not spoil. Um, I'm guessing, you know, it, maybe people have heard it, maybe they haven't. I'm not going to talk about it here. But I asked them about that and I asked them how come it felt a little bit unfinished. And, you know, truth be told, they were, I guess, were running over budget and over time. And so Capcom cut funding. So they actually had to put this game out without the cutscenes all being in place, which probably explains why um, some people had like some problems with the story. I think enough of it was there for me. I think it came together in the end. I think they did a great job with what they had. I mean, it would have been better if they had more cutscenes, 
but I feel like it tells enough of a story. Um, some people disagree, but I felt really bad for these guys because I think they did something really marvelous with this game. Uh, in terms of gameplay, I think it is so fucking fun to play this game. Just to like swing around and be up in the air and shoot your arm around and you swing on something else and you just like, you know, you're back and forth and you can like go around for a couple minutes and not have to touch the ground and you're shooting dudes and man, it's, just, it's so fun. I just think this game is so fun to play. Um, and otherwise, I think it was trying some really cool things. I think the ending was really interesting. I think the twist was really interesting. Um, just overall, a really, really, really cool game. Not perfect, but really, really cool and much better than people gave it credit for. And revisiting it today after all this time, it still holds up. It is still a blast to play. And I think I wish more people would give this game some love. So I wanted to bring it up on the show today. Hopefully people who have played this or who have not played it will go out and track down a copy and uh, check it out. I think this is definitely one of the best games on 360 uh, that just never, never, never got its due. So Corey, do you like grappling hooks? Are you? Do you think maybe you're going to grapple a little bit? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that I have like an affinity for grappling hooks in games. Uh, I don't think you and I have the same like uh, set of um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for like things that like oh this is a thing that's in a game that I really love. Um, grappling hooks is definitely not one for me. Uh, I'm uh, like tentatively interested and playing this game, but I don't know if I'm, like, completely sold on it. What, what what can I say, or what questions do you have? Like, what are you on the fence about? What sounds good and what sounds not good? Uh, I don't know. I mean, what, what makes up the bulk of the gameplay? Is it just, like, third-person fighting dudes? Is that, like, it? So but the bulk of the gameplay is you're inside this city that's got hit by a bomb. It's all kind of wrecked. So that gives an excuse to have all sorts of um, structures for you to grapple on, like broken buildings, signs that have fallen down, streetlights that are at an odd angle, you know, whatever. Like any excuse they can have to have something sticking out of the environment that you can grapple onto. So you're in all these different environments. And basically, I mean, the bulk of gameplay is you simply maneuvering around the environment, using that hook, swinging around grappling from point to point, um, trying to climb higher in the city or drop down lower. Just kind of navigation is a really big part of it. There also is um, some combat. You can uh, throw things in the environment uh, or you can shoot. You have just like guns too. Uh, you can do that as well. Uh, there are some intense action sequences where you're in gunfights. But most of the game is like you grappling around or using your grappling hook to attack other guys, grabbing them, pulling them down or grabbing them and pulling yourself up and just kind of like just maneuvering, like just being kind of one with your grappling hook is basically it. So if that sounds cool, go for it. If you don't have like a thing for grappling hooks like I do, like maybe this isn't enough to sell you because you got to really like like that mechanic <laughs> to get the most out of this game. And if you're just kind of like ambivalent or if you were just like, you know, grapple curious, maybe this isn't enough to swing you over. <laughs> Enough to swing me over, really, Brad? Oh shit! Look what I did. That was so great. That was totally unplanned. That was that was organic. That just happened. <laughs> A true organic pun. Um, th okay, I feel like this is the kind of game where if I can find a demo for it, then maybe I'll give it a shot. But I don't know if I would pay money for this right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I bought I bought this new copy. I have a copy from back in the day. But it's in a box somewhere. I didn't. I couldn't find it. So I just went to GameStop. I think I bought it for like literally like five bucks. So if you can find it super cheap, give it a whirl. It may not be your jam. 
but I think this is, I mean, for me, one of my favorite games of that era, the 360 era, PS3 era. So good. And I'm so sad that um, I think probably the failure of this game really did contribute greatly to Grin uh, disappearing. Um, they put out this game. They put out Bionic Commando Rearmed, I believe, which kind of came as a companion piece to this one. And I think they may have done like one other thing, but they disappeared soon afterwards. And I think a lot of that is because of Bionic Commando, which is just not fair because you know what? They did a really good job on this game and I'm just, I'm just, I'm still broken up over it. So. Uh, they did uh, the video game version of the movie Wanted, Wanted Weapons of Fate. They did that also. Oh, you know, I never played that. I didn't see the movie. I remember that's the one where they could shoot guns and the bullets curved around corners or something, right? Yeah, it uh that game, I feel like that game also is one of those games that got like a lot of shit whenever it came out cuz it was basically just like a really short, shallow third-person shooter. But like, I mean, it's not something I would pay more than like $10 for, $5 for at this point, but I remember like game flying it at the time and thinking like, "Hey, this is like all right." I mean, for like a movie tie-in game, it was okay. I mean, it wasn't like groundbreaking in any way shape or form but i thought it was like fine enough at the time well that's interesting now that you've said that i'll track it down because uh, i think that these guys did a really great job on bionic commando i would be interested in seeing their other work so i will track it down i'm sure that game is like a dollar somewhere <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it cannot be expensive so anyway that's all i have to say on bionic commando but i love this game in fact i love this game so much i actually bought the action figure of nathan spencer because i just was like oh my god i got i love this game i want I want to own something physical of this game because I think this game is great. The action figure is actually pretty good. He's got a little uh, claw and a string attached to it, so you can like whip whip things, and then you can like retract the string from his grappling. It's pretty bad. It's pretty badass. I dig it. Uh, I believe I also have a shirt that has the symbol from this game, which is kind of like a bunch of hexes in a circle. I don't know what the symbol is, but I think I have one of those also. I'm a big fan of this game. So, if you are a listener of the show and you like the games that I like, if your tastes align with mine and you have not played this game, I strongly suggest you go check this out. Probably going to be five bucks or cheaper if you can find it. Uh, and if you'd give it a shot right into the show, let me know what you think. But that is what I have to say about Bionic Commando. <laughs> Excellent. I hope you have uh, caused a resurgence of Bionic Commando fans in the world tonight. Oh, dude, Nathan Spencer, man. I feel so bad for Nathan. He deserved better. He deserved better. <laughs> he really, really did. He really did. Should I should I jump ahead to my next thing, or what do you think? Uh, I think you should, but I also think you need to keep this discussion very shallow, because this is a game that I know I'm going to play at some point that I'm very excited about, and I don't want to be too spoiled on it. I got you covered, brother, because the only thing I know about it is shallow stuff. So oh, okay. No risk of spoilers here. Um, so to preface this, as I said, I needed something to play this week and I wanted to play something that was maybe current. I figured I would play it for the show. I also was trying to check things off of my top 10 of the year list. And this was one that got mentioned. Uh, although I should have known better because any game that comes out, I got to ignore all hype for like at least the first two weeks after release, because in the Twitter sphere, stuff gets hyped way too much and it becomes too much noise to filter through. But I had, I had a little bit of money. And I'm like, I can only afford one game this week. I might buy Hellblade or I might buy Observer. And I didn't know very much about either one. I knew just the bare bones basics. But the people I was talking to were really playing this game up a lot. Observer is what I ended up going with. 
And that was a wrong choice. I cannot believe you chose Observer. I am like shocked out of those two games that you chose Observer. That was, I am shocked also. That was a really like phenomenally bad choice. I think probably it was because number one, I didn't know that much about it. And number two, it was getting a lot of really positive talk. And number three, it had uh, Rutger Hauer in it. So I'm like, oh, well, he's a guy that I kind of like a little bit, I guess. So maybe that's that's something I'll look into. Um, so backing up, Observer, it's out on Xbox One, PC, PS4. It's put out by pff, the worst named studio on Earth, Bloober Team. God damn it, you guys. <laughs> Get a better fucking studio name. Anything would be better than that, honestly. Bloober Team, that is real bad. Published by Aspire Media, and it just came out recently, August 15th uh, of this year, so five days ago. Um, what is Observer? Uh, it is a first-person detective game slash walking simulator slash horror game. It's all kind of blended up together. You play an Observer. <laughs> who is played by Rutger Hauer. Um, I didn't know anything about this. Basically, the premise of this world is, you know, uh, Blade Runner-ish. Mega corporations own everything. Everything is techno and awful and dark and gray and rainy. And it's just depressing and gross. Um, you play a guy who his job is to delve into the memories of people to find out things that they know. And so he starts off on this investigation. I won't spoil anything for you. I'll keep this very spoiler free. He starts off on an investigation inside a rundown apartment building. He finds some evidence that escalates things really quickly. And then it becomes about walking around this place, finding clues. And as you might imagine, uh, delving into the memories of people that he encounters. Um, so... Yeah, this isn't really my jam. As I was playing this the whole time, I was like, oh, God. I was thinking two things. Number one, I should have bought Hellblade. And number two, <laughs> like, this is totally a Corey-ass game to the nth degree. Um, if I was able to, like, uninstall this and send it to you, I would have, because this is your jam. Uh, I just, it just didn't work for me. It just did not work for me. I didn't like just walking around. I felt like it was cumbersome. And not being someone who plays walking simulators very often, I felt like there were like maybe genre norms that I'm not used to. Uh, I just felt like I was walking around. I didn't quite know what to do. And I there's a few points where I'm like just kind of walking in circles where I couldn't figure out like what to trigger to get the game to move forward. So that was a little bit frustrating. And the game itself is a little bit awkward because you can look around in first person, but then you have one button that gives you... I don't know, bio view where it shows you things in the environment that are biological that are important to look at, like blood samples or skin samples or something like that. You also have a button called, I don't know, techno view where it shows you something that's technological that's important to look at, like, like laptops or PCs or something. So you have like three different view modes. And if you look at something that looks like it should be interacted with, but nothing happens, you have to remember to go into bio mode and go into tech mode. Otherwise, you may not be able to trigger that thing, even though it is a thing to be triggered, which happened to me a lot. And it was really fucking irritating. I'd be like, hey, this looks like a button I should push. Nothing, nothing, nothing. OK, well, I'll move on. And I would not like cycle through the other vision modes. And of course, I would forget to, you know, I would not trigger the thing because it wasn't in the right mode. 
And then I would forget that the button was there and then I would wander off and then I get lost and stuck. And then I'd be like, fuck, what am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> and then I go look up at FAQ and I go, God damn it. I forgot to look in the vision mode. And then I go back and there it was. Um, so that was really frustrating to me. And pretty quickly you start like, you know, reading people's emails on computers, which is one thing that I hate to do. And I just was like, man, this is not, it's not bad. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is a bad game. I think you will love it. It just was not doing any of the things that would really hook me. Story wasn't moving fast enough. Uh, I didn't like the searching around of the environments. When I got to the very first sequence, when you um, investigate a person's memory or their dreams or whatever it is, real big turnoff. Like, I was like, oh, God, I do not like this at all. Like, it got really abstract. And that's like where the puzzle elements come in. And I did not like the way they were done. I got stuck in a certain section and looking back on it the solution was very very obvious but at the moment <laughs> i was like i can't figure this out this is really frustrating this is not fun this is not scary this is not interesting i just wanted this to stop so i i i don't want to say any more for risk of spoiling anything um but i just none of this was working for me i really regret buying it I wish I had bought Hellblade instead, and I wish I could give you this game because I think you would get a lot more out of this game than I would. So not like I'm bagging on it. I just really think I am not the person meant to play this game. This is not this is not my jam. So that's basically all I have to say about Observer. I think uh, it's important to note also here that Observer is the second game by Bloober Team, which is a pretty young development team, and they have their first game which just came out last year, was Layers of Fear, which I reviewed last year and played, and I adored Layers of Fear. It's like, it's kind of like whenever PT came out and it was like the new hotness of like first-person horror and then Silent Hills got canceled, Layers of Fear was like the first full-length game that came out that really sort of like captured what like PT was going for. Um you know, in that regard, it sort of like kicked off like the actual like, here's a full retail game version of PT sort of thing going on. And that's what really interests me in Observer uh, too, because I, I don't think Layers of Fear reviewed like super duper well, um, but I really liked it. And I also like the sort of stuff that Observer is going for. Because whenever I think about this game, I think about this is uh, speaking of things that don't review well. Um, the, I, I might have talked about this on the podcast before, but the movie The Cell with Jennifer Lopez. Are you familiar with this movie, Brad? I know of it, but I've never seen it. And I think you've mentioned it like once or twice. You've never really gone into it very deeply, though. Well, it makes me think of... Because I, I love The Cell. I think it's a fantastic movie. Um, but the whole point of The Cell is that <clears throat> Jennifer Lopez plays this like FBI agent or CIA agent or something... And there's, like, a serial killer, like, a really disturbing, like, gross serial killer that uh, they catch, but he's in a coma, and someone invents this, like, science fiction machine that allows her to dive into his mind, and she has to keep uh, repeatedly going into his mind while he's in a coma to sort of, like, explore the depths of what's going on in his subconscious to try to find um, his latest victim, because he has a victim somewhere in the area like in this city and she thinks that she'll be able to find out where that victim is and save them hopefully before, you know, the victim dies. And it's just this really like intense, like science fiction horror. That's really abstract. It's really beautiful. Um, I mean, it's the, like the set design and the costume design is absolutely beautiful, but it's a really kind of fucked up movie. And 
this it makes me think of that because that's sort of like what you're doing in the game like you're entering these people's minds you're investigating what's going on and i'm all for like first person horror i'm all for walking sims i'm all for this sort of like cyberpunk aesthetic so this game sounds 100% up my alley i just don't really have the funds to purchase it at the moment but i'm certain that i will play this before the end of the year and once again i still cannot believe that you chose with your pedigree of gaming that you chose a first person horror walking sim over a third person melee action game to buy out of these two games well you got to step out of your your preferences every now and again to kind of open yourself up and try new things i mean if i if I only played the same sort of thing over and over, I'd be missing out on some other experiences that I might not have had. And I wanted to be very selective. Like, I don't play these games, this type of game, very often. So I was really waiting for one to be, like, the best one, right? So, like, I bought Soma uh, on your recommendation and on the recommendation of other people. I haven't played it yet, but I have it. And I'm like, this is one that people tell me is, like, you know, chef's fingers, moi, real good, right? <laughs> so I'm saving that one. And this this kind of came out with the same sort of chatter like this was being talked about already as oh one of the best of the year this is really great this is one of the best of the genre so i'm like okay well you know they caught me at a weak moment when i really needed something to play and i thought this might be a good time to stretch and you know maybe you and i could you know talk about this game in greater detail because i don't usually play the walking sims that you play so i'm like well let's give it a shot let's give it a shot um but i'm really glad that you brought up that thing about layers of fear because you reminded me specifically of the moment when i like decided i wasn't going to keep playing this game which was really early. Um, you talked about in Layer of Fear, one of the tricks that Bloober Team pulls is like you'll walk into a room and then you turn around and then like the, the geography behind you is different than it was when you walked in, right? That was a thing they did. Yeah, I love that in Layers of Fear. They do a lot of like really tricky like spatial awareness things where basically exactly what you said. You walk down a hallway, maybe the door is locked at the end of the hallway, and then you turn around and suddenly the hall you walk down is completely different than the one you walked down originally. And I, I adore that kind of uh, trickery in games. They do that a lot, or at least <laughs> based on what I saw, they do that a lot in this game, which I found to be kind of annoying because once I realized they were doing it, it just it soon became every time I got stuck, turn around. And then that was like what the answer was, which was it got kind of predictable. So I hopefully they don't do it throughout the entire game. And the other, the other thing that really kind of turned me off was when you go to the very first dream sequence or memory dive or whatever you want to call it, uh, I figured like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go in this person's memory. I'm going to get some clues. Of course, it's going to be a little scary, but, you know, the point of it is to further the story. And it ended up being really, like, long, like, really long. And after I got done with that sequence, I'm like, well, I did learn two things, but that took, like, 30 seconds and the rest like of the 14 minutes I was in the sequence was just like stuff that was abstract and stuff that was meant to scare me and stuff that was weird. It just felt like, wow, I sat through this whole thing and I didn't really learn anything and it didn't feel relevant. And I, I get that people's psyche doesn't, isn't just like a, you know, a Rolodex of facts. I mean, I get that. But at the same time, I was like, dude, I hope every sequence like this is not as long as this because I honestly got kind of bored. I was like, I want, can I can I jack out of this guy? I mean, and just go back to the real world and I've learned the clue. I'm done now. But it's really long. And so I kind of felt like, eh, I, I don't want to do this again because it just wasn't. Um, I, I hesitate to say it wasn't a good use of my time because I think probably it would be very effective for other people. But for me, I was like too much, too much and not really enough of it felt relevant. So that's when I kind of checked out very early in the game. I did not get very far at all. I'm not. 
reviewing this. I'm not speaking with any authority. I'm just simply saying with the time that I spent, I, I noped out of it and that was enough <laughs> for me. So anyway, I'm not going to be coming back to it. I deleted it. I wish I could give it to you because I would totally give it to you. Uh, maybe some person in the future will figure out a way to make that happen. But at the moment, it is it is over for me. My adventure in Observer is done. It will not be on my top ten this year. Surprise. <laughs> I'm shocked. So let's move on to our next game. I'm going to let you take the lead on this one, but this is one that we played together. Corey, would you like to enlighten us? Indeed. we Brad and I spent a few hours last night um, playing... Ghost Recon Wildlands, which is the latest edition and the long, long-running Ghost Recon uh, franchise from Ubisoft. This was developed by Ubisoft Paris. It's published by Ubisoft, surprise. Um, it is out on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC. It came out just this year in March of 2017. Uh, but right now, on PlayStation 4 at least, I don't know if this is on other platforms, but on PS4 there is a a demo, a timed demo of the game where basically you download the entire game, uh, which is like 50 gigs. So that was ridiculous. Yeah. So FYI to anybody who's interested in the demo, uh, start downloading it today and maybe you'll be able to play it next week. Um, it's like, if you have to download the whole game and it's an open world Island, like it's kind of far cry ish in that nature. Um, so it's like a 50 gig download and then you, it basically drops you into the game like you would if you bought it and you have four hours to play it. The interesting thing is that I, from what I could find, there's no like timer like in the corner or in the options menu or anywhere. So you can't like keep a tally on the amount of time you're playing it. I don't know if whenever you get to like the 30 minute mark, if it'll like bring a timer up. If so, I haven't reached it yet. I'm really hoping that this game doesn't just like all of a sudden like you're in the middle of a mission. It's just like, oh, sorry, time's up. Do you want to buy the full game? Like, I don't know how it works, but it's very rude of Ubisoft to not put like a timer anywhere on the options menu or something to let you know how long you've been playing it. But that's a little bit. They, they do give you the one hour warning. Oh, um, my son do. was playing it this morning. Yeah, he, he didn't know either. He was looking for the timer. But when you get to the one hour left, Mark, something pops up and it'll be like, hey, heads up, you got one hour. And then after that, it just shuts off after. you. Uh, OK. Good, good. I'm glad you cleared that up because I definitely have not made it to the one hour window yet. So that's good to know. Good to know. Um, But uh, basically this uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands is it is an open world uh, third person Ghost Recon where you play as you can play it single player or you can play it in co-op. Kind of like The Division. This game reminds me a lot of The Division. Um, where, because basically most of the mechanics are very similar as far as like running and shooting and weapon customization and like character customization and stuff like that. Like it's all kind of cut from the same cloth. Uh, although I'll argue that Ghost Recon Wildlands is much deeper in its customization options and it gives you a lot more customization options early on than the Division does. Because the Division, for example, like you can put like camo paints on your weapons but you have to you can only buy like one camo paint a day when you start ghost recon wildlands you get like 30 camo paints from the start and then you can like put them on your guns or you can even like color your clip a certain color you can color the stock of your gun a color you can color the barrel of your gun a color it's like has the most ridiculous customization options which i love um but it's a little bit overboard uh long story short 
Third person open world shooter, you play as one of a four person tactical squad. You're sent into Bolivia to uh, infiltrate this like cocaine mob uh, thing. It's like a, I don't know, like a cocaine industry that's going on there and you're trying to take down the boss, but you have of course like as any open world game does, you have to like work your way up through little missions on the side for each of his like uh, head cohorts. And then eventually I'm guessing you make it to the boss and like kill him or something. I don't know how it ends, but um, I'm assuming that it's sort of like that. This game is sort of like if you took the division and if you took like Far Cry, like Far Cry 3 era Far Cry and sort of like put them together, that's sort of how I feel this game is acting. Um, I was not very excited to play this game. I didn't think I would be that into it. Um, it doesn't super duper seem up my alley, but I actually like this game quite a bit uh, now that I've played it. And uh, fun fact, Brad, did you know that Ghost Recalled Wildlands is the top selling game of this year so far? Jesus, are you kidding? No, I'm not. I like looked up like several charts online from different websites and... Like, nobody's talking about Ghost Recon, but from all the evidence I've seen, it is literally the top-selling game this year. It has sold more copies than Breath of the Wild, than Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, it's literally the number one-selling game of the year, which I think is bananas, because, like, nobody is talking about this game. No, that makes perfect sense to me, dude, because this is, like... Okay, I'm going to get myself in, like, some real trouble by, <laughs> <laughs> by speaking about this, but, like... This is like, and no dis no disrespect to anybody's. Let me just let me just preface <laughs> preface the shit I'm about to say real quick. No offense to anybody who likes this game. No offense to you, Corey. No offense to anybody. My son likes this game. No offense to anybody. But this is like like lowest common denominator like gameplay. Like it's open world. It's screw around. You can have friends join in. You just shoot a bunch of shit. Like there's not a lot of um, penalty or consequence. You can level up. It's like stuff that like you know. It doesn't catch the attention of critics like me. Like it doesn't. It doesn't land very strongly in the 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 critic sphere that I like to hang in. Uh, you know the the elite snobby people who play indie games and uh, <laughs> you know have fedoras or whatever. Um, not that I actually own a fedora, but uh, you know I think that people who play a lot of games uh, or or at least talk about them on Twitter did not spend a lot of time with this game. But I could easily understand why this would be very popular with like meat and potatoes kind of gamer like the you know i don't know i feel like an asshole saying all this because i don't you know i don't look down on people for their gaming taste at all like i'm not I'm not judging anybody but i can understand why this would be like a whiff in the circles that we kind of travel in but so popular at the sales uh, counter so yeah hopefully i don't get hate mail over that <laughs> that's true though because basically this game is like if you took the blueprint for like any like third person open world tactical game like this is sort of like it checks basically every single box you could want it to check pretty much. I think the thing that I find so interesting is that like Ghost Recon Wildlands and The Division both come from Ubisoft. And like whenever The Division came out last year, it there was so much hype for it and it made a huge splash. And it was like this big new like third person, like almost MMO endeavor that Ubisoft was going on. And it was like this big thing. And like Ghost Recon Wildlands is like, kind of similar and like the world is bigger and there's like more um co-op variety maybe but this game just kind of like came out like it didn't there wasn't really not, not that i recall any like real buzz around it it just kind of like 
shipped and then here it is whereas the division was like this big new thing that like everybody was talking about and i don't know it's just interesting to me because the games seem similar to me although the division uh, the big difference i think the big difference between the division and ghost recon wildlands is that in the division like uh, it has a very mmo style gameplay where like you can shoot an enemy like 30 times and they might not die because they scale with you as you level but in ghost recon wildlands it's very typical of like you shoot anybody in the head and they're dead in one shot. And it's that kind of game. Um, that's the big difference in my opinion, other than like setting and, you know, that kind of stuff. But I don't, that's the thing that I find the most striking is that like this game didn't, there were no like bells and whistles and like ribbon cuttings for this game, but like there were a lot of that for the division, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, I, that's very true. I mean, I think that's an accurate statement. I think probably a lot of, of what that was about was like the division had been hyped for so long. I mean, at least a year or two. And it was, you know, at the time supposed to be, I mean, I guess I don't fully understand why people were so excited about it, but it was supposed (laughs) to be like, you know, you and your friends in a persistent world, um, you know, going up against other people in real time. And it seemed to be kind of setting up like this kind of virtual combat world where, you know, it just seemed to offer a lot. And that was not quite, like other things that were available at the time, uh, which, you know, it, it panned out it sort of, it, it, it didn't come out exactly the way they kind of described it, but it kind of sort of did. And I don't know, a little bit too much MMO in there, whatever Division's a different story. Um, <laughs> as far as ghost recon, I mean, I think a lot of people were just like, Oh, it's another one of these, you know, it's another Tom Clancy. Like, I think people kind of, um, you know, just were not that into it. But I mean, again, I think it comes down to like who you're talking to, because I talk to like game, like other game critics all day long or people who are fans of game critics or people who follow my writing or something like that. So like, you know, I'm kind of in a certain bubble. Like uh, I don't have a lot of people in my circle who really like this game because there's not really a lot critically to discuss. I mean, I, I read a few interesting articles that talk about the way they treat the the NPCs or about how the world is designed. But when you, when you look at just the gameplay, there's not really like anything here that hasn't been done before by other games, except for it's larger and maybe the co-op is a little smoother. So, I mean, we haven't really talked very much about um, why you liked it, Corey. I think I liked it a lot less than you did. But tell me, like, why, like, in a nutshell, why you liked it so much. Um, I think that this is going to be a really like backhanded compliment that I'm going to pay it, but I feel like I like this game a lot because I wasn't expecting it to be very good. And so like, I like, you know, going in, I sort of had those same thoughts like, oh, this is just another Ghost Recon. Like I've never been into Ghost Recon games at all. Like I've always, I always liked the Rainbow Six, like Vegas games, like those kind of games, but like I never played Ghost Recon, um, like what, like I don't know, the ones that came out on the 360 that were kind of like, you know, made a splash. Um, But uh, I think I just liked that this game sort of like reminded me of playing The Division because, I mean, The Division had some like ups and downs, but the fact that I got to play, because you, I think we've talked about on the show before, but like me and you and your wife played almost all of The Division and co-op together through the whole campaign. And um, and it just sort of like brought back those memories because I don't really play a lot of games like this, but... uh, I mean, it's just, like, pretty... Like, even in single-player, when I was playing it by myself um, just to do, like, the first tutorial mission, like, I thought it was all right. Like, you know, third-person, tactical, like, going in, making a plan, um, trying to, like, you know, put your uh, silencer on your gun and, like, take out some guards undetected. and Because this game has very much that stealth aspect going for it where, like, you can go in and run and gun unless the mission is, like, stealth only or 
you know, you can, uh, you know, kind of make a plan and be tactical about it and, you know, snipe people from far away or, you know, what have you. Um, but, uh, I, I think it just kind of brought back some of those memories and another, on a very silly note, um, one thing that I enjoyed about it whenever I first started playing it is that it has the voice actor who played Amanda Ripley in, uh, Alien Isolation. She plays, if you choose to make your operative a woman, uh, she plays her character and the woman who is sort of like your handler, who gives you like your mission briefings and your updates and who like flies to the island with you, uh, she is voiced by the woman who voiced the really, really sexy narrator voice from Hitman Absolution, who has like the best voice ever, like ever. And so it's neat. I don't know. It's just like a silly thing, but both of those characters like came in and their voices are instantly recognizable. And I was like, oh yeah, like... Ripley from Alien is in this, and the sexy narrator chick from <laughs> Absolution is in this. Um, but uh, I, I think we might be leaving out the biggest slice of uh, what we should be talking about here, Brad, is the fact that me and you and your wife and your son played uh, like a couple of hours of co-op session last night of this demo together. Yeah, I mean, that was cool. And that was, um, I mean, that was kind of the best thing about it, but uh, I mean, it's it's difficult to address something like that because I think that when you get together with people, I mean, I mean, like straight up, any game that I played with you would be better because I'm playing it with you, right? Like, so like it could be like the worst possible game, but because like we are talking about it in real time, if we both have headsets on, uh, no matter what's going on, like it will be a better experience because we're we're friends and we're playing it, and same thing with my family. So it's like. I kind of don't want to give it too much props for that because I think anything is better with friends. And if your game needs friends to be interesting, then maybe that's a little bit of a problem with the core design, um, which, it, but I have to draw the line. Like certain games are designed to be co-op and I don't think that this one is. I mean, I think it's meant to be, but you can also play it single player. And I would suspect that playing it single player would be a lot more boring if you didn't have friends along for the ride. I mean, we were laughing uh, you know, I drove us off a cliff one time and that was like, a, you know, incredibly hilarious. And we were just having like these comedy of errors here and there. I mean, it was fun. Um, but I think that for me overall, the game, if I hadn't played like 10 other games exactly like this, I probably <laughs> would be more interested, but it's very similar to a lot of other games that have come out before. Um, of course, more polished, bigger, um, you know, way more missions and stuff. But like after we did a couple hours of those missions, I was like, hmm. I bet we're going to be doing the exact same thing for the next 50 hours where you just go to this place, um, you pick up a file, then you go to the mission, you do the mission, and then you do another file, pick up another mission. I mean, I didn't I didn't get a lot of um, hook to it. It felt like this would be the kind of game that would be stuffed with a lot of busy work that would get old after like six or eight hours, and then I wouldn't want to play it anymore. Um, and I think... You know, I'm trying to decide. I think the thing that really got us through the division was that I felt like the campaign, even though the story was really boring, it had a very like a finite end to it. Like you could you could see how much there was to do and it felt like you could reasonably reach the end of it. And, you know, as you unlock powers, as you went, that was interesting. And, you know, of course, us playing together was really fun, too. The division would have been hellaciously boring if I didn't play it with you and my wife. <laughs> Um, but this one, I just felt like it was this enormous, enormous landscape with a million objectives that were probably very much the same. 
without probably any narrative buildup. And I, it seemed like so huge that I just didn't even want to tackle it because the interest would wane long before we got to the end of it, you know? So, I mean, it would be fun to do it, to play it with you again, but I feel like the game itself just would not support that long playtime. Um, one other thing, I mean, a couple other things. I mean, number one, I think it's really irritating that we had to, like, go to a place to unlock a mission and then go do the mission, which it felt like to me like a real waste of time. Um, the other thing was that we, <laughs> we, uh, did a couple of missions that were like, don't get spotted missions. And those were really frustrating. I mean, with four people on a map, it's really easy for one of those people to get spotted. And we were never sure of like who saw us or what was going down. Or like one person would take one step forward too far. And then we'd all have to like reset and do it again. Like those were not a good idea. I was not a fan of those missions um, at all. I mean, were you getting as frustrated as I was with those, those uh, stealth missions? Uh, I mean, I don't think I was getting as frustrated as you were, but I don't think that those missions are a good idea for co-op because the the thing that, like, the single player has going for it is it does, like, the Last of Us thing where you can be on the battlefield with, like... Because you always have your three squad mates no matter what. Even if you're single player, you have three AI squad mates with you and you can, like, order them around or, you know, they, you know, shoot and stuff if you're in a, a gun battle. But it does the thing in the last... Like, The Last of Us does where no matter what they're doing, enemies just won't see them, which seems incredibly cheesy. Um, at least I'm pretty sure that's what it does because in the first mission that I played by myself, like my dudes were kind of like very lazily crouching and like walking around walls, like in pretty plain view of the enemy and they never saw them. So like, I think that's how the game works. I can't be certain, but I'm pretty sure that's how it seems to work. So I feel like the stealth missions would be a lot easier and single player, because all you have to worry about is like your own agency and like being spotted and, uh, you know, and not having to worry about everybody else. But once, you know, like we had we had four people on the map at one time and we're trying to coordinate, you know, who's going where and who should hide where and who should operate the drone. And, you know, oh, well, can the enemy spot the drone? Like, is that a thing? And, you know, if one of us accidentally missed like a sniper hit, then that would be... Uh, you know, kind of spell disaster for us because then they would know that we were there. And, you know, stealth missions are not a very good idea. I feel like maybe they should have programmed those missions to be, like, stealth optional if you're in co-op and maybe, like, stealth only if you're in single player because it was it was just kind of a lot to keep track of. Yeah, I agree. Or, you know, at the very least, try stealth, and if you fuck it up, just power your way through, you know? Like, just keep going. Don't stop the game for something like that because... That was a real drag, and it really made me want to avoid those missions. Um, so, you know, one side note, side note, this game is kind of buggy. As we were walking around, um, we would come across, like, a helicopter that was parked, like, on an angle, so it looked like it was, like, partially in the ground. Or <laughs> we came across a campsite with a tray of hot dogs that was, like, floating in the air. Like, I guess it was supposed to be being roasted, but there's like these ghostly hot dogs, these, these you know, spiritual bratwurst kind of hanging out. And it was just like, what the fuck is going on with these hot dogs? But the funniest thing is something that you actually didn't see, Corey. It was when we were doing one of the stealth missions. Um, we, you were outside and I think my son was outside and me and my wife were trying to sneak up on a politician. We had to record his conversation with his mistress. And I, you guys could not get a line of sight, but my wife and I were, uh, at the right angle where we could see she was trying to send her drone inside the room to record their convo. And they actually, so of course, as you get close, you hear them like they're obviously having sex, like there's moaning and 
dirty talk going on. And I'm like, oh, shit, of course. And so we come around the corner and we see the, the people are completely fucking glitched out. So, like, the guy, the politician's on his back. And, you know, from the way his model is shaped, it looks like he's supposed to be handcuffed to the bed. And then there's a woman model who is looks like she's naked. And she's supposed to be, like, kneeling over him. But the models were fucked up. So the guy was, like, way lower on the bed than he should have been. Like, his arms were up and he was not tied to anything. So it looked really weird. But the weirdest thing was, like, when we came around the corner, it totally looked like she was sitting on his face from one angle. And then, like, you turn, <laughs> you turn a little further. And then when you saw where her angle actually was it looked like she was shitting on his head oh my god this is way too extreme for this game i don't want to see scat play when i'm shooting south american officials in there now this is too much for me it was hilarious but i do not think it was intended because i don't think ubisoft is actually having that lady shit on the guy's head as part of that mission so uh, unintentional hilarity ensued i would have told you about it uh at the time but my son was on the mic and i didn't want to have to explain what people do behind closed doors sometimes oh my so God. there you go she was shitting on his head Corey. that's what she was doing um also our miraculous uh landing after being shot out of the air with a missile in the helicopter oh my god that was yeah we we were in a helicopter all four of us we got shot by a missile the tail section and the the rotor got blown off the helicopter and i'm like oh shit we're all gonna die this is it the whole thing like swirled and we kind of tilted or something. And we like had this like most perfect touchdown landing of like the fiery <laughs> helicopter cab came down. Like nobody was hurt. We all got like seriously like walked out of that thing. It was like bizarre, really fucking bizarre. It was so anyway, good though. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. I wish we had gotten a video of that. I didn't think to record it cause that was nuts, but uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty special. Pretty magical. <laughs> Uh, I am probably not going to come back to this game unless you beg me to come back and play it with you. Um, I think my wife wasn't a huge fan of it. My son loves it, but I know he loves these kind of games. He loves the screw around games. What about you, man? Are you going to keep plugging away at it? You gonna what are you, you going to do with this game? Uh, so yeah, I don't know because I like this game has been on my GameFly queue for a while, and whenever I saw that they had a demo, I was like oh, great, I can just play the demo because I don't think I'm going to like this game, and then I can just write it off and take it off my Gamefly queue because I probably won't want to rent it. But now that I've played it and I actually kind of like it, I'm, like, consider. I mean, it's still on my Gamefly queue, and I'm thinking, like, well, maybe I will play this. Like, maybe this is something I will want to play. But uh, I, I don't know. I kind of have a feeling, like you said earlier, that even if I'm playing by myself or if I'm playing with you or your wife or anybody, um, this will probably be the kind of game that I will get tired of after, like, you know, six or seven or eight hours. And it's probably a game that's designed to be played for, you know, double or triple or quadruple that. So I, I don't know if I would be interested in playing the whole thing, but I mean, I do, I do like what I've played so far. I mean, I don't think it's like, it's, it's like the farthest thing from a groundbreaking game. Like it's very cut from the same cloth as every, you know, open world kind of shooter of this vein. Um, but, you know, I kind of like it. I mean, I, I got to be honest here. I think it's a pretty good game. I like the customization options. I like the gun customization options. Um, I like that the game exists in one continuous world. Uh, unlike the division where it was like the missions were kind of segmented. Um, I like that you can go about the most missions from like kind of any angle. Like you can be stealthy if you want. You can sit up high and snipe people, or you can just go on guns blazing, or you can just you know drive like a, a pickup truck into the mansion grounds and just blow shit up or whatever. Um, 
but uh, I don't know how long it would hold my interest, but I do like this game more than I thought I was going to. I can see that. And I, you know, I can see why people like this kind of game. And like I said, I've played like at least 10 games that are very similar to this. So I'm kind of burned out on these, but I get, I get the appeal for sure. If it seemed like more of a focused experience, um, I think that the ability to approach a mission anyway would sell me on that because that kind of strikes me as kind of like a vaguely hitman sort of thing where you can take your own angle at a mission, which I love. I love games that let you do that. Um, but I think just the world design seems really cookie cutter. And like, I bet once you cleared out one zone, like, you know, like, let's say, for example, like, you know, the, the, the country is broken up into like six zones or something like that. And each one has like a boss. So you got to do all these missions, take out the sub sub boss. Then you lead leads up to the sub boss and then you get up to the boss and then you take out all these other bosses to get to the big boss. Um, I bet that after you cleared out like one entire zone, I bet that would be like a complete gameplay experience unto itself. And then you'd have to do it like five more times. Yeah, that's probably accurate. I don't really see like this game being one that's like, oh, you have to approach every single boss in this extremely like rewarding and unique way. You know, it's probably much of doing the exact same mission over and over again. Yeah, if it was more focused, and if, if I felt like I could get to the end in a reasonable amount of time, I might be into it just for the freedom that it offers. But I've got a real sneaking suspicion it's going to be uh, bloatware. But if you if you play it, man, let me know. And if you feel like it's rewarding, I'll jump back into it with you. Um, but my, my critic sense is tingling right now. <laughs> okay, well, do you think we've talked uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands to death yet? I think it is dead, and it's it's not quite six feet under but it's like five and a half feet under <laughs> all right well let's move on we've got a couple uh more little things to hit on before we uh before we end the show uh we do have a listener question but before the listener question uh last week i just want to give a very brief and kind of silly update last week we were talking about when we talked about albedo ice from outer space i had mentioned that the game did not allow for inverted controls it's a first person game and Inverted for me is when you press down on the D-pad or on the thumbstick and the character looks up and you press up on the thumbstick and the character looks down. Um, Standard would be pressing up and the character looks up, you know, down and down and so forth. So I took a very scientific poll on Twitter and asked, uh, whenever you play first-person games with a gamepad, do you do standard or inverted controls? And I had a whopping turnout of 44 votes um, because I'm very popular on Twitter. And Brad, would you like to guess the percentages of who plays standard and who plays inverted? Um, I will, I I will probably guess I will get it wrong, but before we do that, I think there is one slight note that we should probably discuss. I think what standard counts at or counts as really depends on the genre because uh, we mentioned this last time. Sometimes when I, I see inverted, it means up is up, and sometimes inverted means up is down. And I think it depends on the genre. Like, if you play flight sims, I think standard is up is down, down is up. But if you play first-person shooters or uh, something like that, or, or like third-person shooters, up is up. So I guess it depends on what genre you play the most. That will kind of frame your reference. So, I, I mean, I don't play a lot of anything where standard is up is down, so, I mean, I'm guessing if you got 44, which is a pretty good turnout for us. Um, shit, dude. I don't know. How many, I mean, so what did you define 
What did you did you define them or did you just say inverted standard? I, I define them as standard being up looks up and down looks down and inverted being up looks down. And I prefaced it by saying first person games on a gamepad. So I'm assuming that nobody went into this poll thinking, oh, flight sims, because that was okay. not where I was going with it. Okay, that's good information then. Um, God, I, I have I, whatever I say is going to be wildly fantastically wrong. And I'm going <laughs> to seem like an idiot, but I will say. I will say most people played standard with up is up. Do you want to guess on the specific percentage? I will guess. I will guess out of 44 people, I will guess probably 28 people said up is up. Oh, I don't know the number. I just know the percentage. <laughs> whatever, per, I, whatever percentage that is, that is a three quarters. How about three quarters? Okay, that's pretty close. Um, 73% play standard and 27% play inverted. Ooh, I was real close. Yeah. Hey, right on. That was pretty Guess good. I know my shit. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, uh, excellent. Yeah, so that's. I just wanted to shout that out on the show. I know 44 people is not a huge sample, but um, I play inverted, so I guess I am the weirdo, um, but I am one of the 27% that plays inverted whenever I play first-person games. But before we go, we have a listener question this week. Uh, it is from Joshua Jackson, who is also known as the Realist Eight Seven One on Twitter. And we he have to call him like Super Fan Joshua Jackson because, dude, he's a fan of the show. Yeah, he listens he to every is. episode. He chips in all the time. He's a good guy. Talks to us on Twitter. Joshua Jackson is a real. He's like the best kind of fan. So, Joshua, we appreciate you listening to the show and being being there for us in the listening audience. You're the best, dude. <laughs> He is a stand-up guy. And if we ever get a show out late for any reason, he always tells us that he's sad about it because I think he listens to it in the morning, like for like during his job or something like that. And um and if we never get a show out on time, because usually I put them out really late at night so he can like listen to it in the morning, then he is always sad about it. So Josh, for any late shows we put out, I am very sorry about that. Apologies. Apologies for any late shows. Because I, I know that feeling. I know that feeling of like, oh. It's a certain day. My favorite show is... Ah, it's not there. Fuck. So, yeah. I hear you, man. I hear you. We do our best. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, But he asks, uh, and I quote, Is there a mechanic slash feature that is very seldom or never used, but you think should be included in more games? Brad, did you think about this? I did. I did think about this for four or five seconds before we started recording the show. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. What did you come up with? I got a good answer, man. So, okay. So, first off, it'll come as no surprise. I think we need to have more grappling hooks and oh more jetpacks in every game. That is not my true answer, though. That is my, my jokey, but actually not joking answer. <laughs> um, but, no, I have a couple of examples. Um, I think one example that I really would like to see more often has been done a few times, but is not used enough or has not been done in a game where it was really fully taken advantage of. And that is body possession i do you remember did you have an n64 Corey? an n64 yeah 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 totally did you ever play geist on the n64 mm, no that's the ghost one right exactly like in that game you play a ghost uh, not a real ghost but like you're a guy who like i don't know something happens to you and your your soul gets knocked out of your body like you don't actually die like you're still like alive quote unquote um, but the, the hook to that game is like the whole game is puzzles, but there's also third person action and you can take possession of the bodies of people that are in the, in the environment. So sometimes or things. 
Sometimes you want to get through a combat section, so you take over the body of like a soldier who's got a machine gun, and if he dies, then you leave his body and jump in the body of somebody else. Uh, so that kind of makes for a really cool combat mechanic. It also works for puzzles where you need to, you know, possess a certain person, like you got to possess the scientist to get through this locked door, or you possess the body of a dog because no one's paying attention to the dog, and you kind of walk past security unnoticed because you're just the friendly dog of the area. Or things like that. You could also take possession of things in the environment. I think it was pretty famous at the time. You could possess a bowl of dog food and make it shake. And, like, you know, spill the dog food and give people, <laughs> like, a scare. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, I feel like there's a lot of potential for this. And I don't think that people really take it up often. I mean, if people out there in the listening audience can think of games where this is done really well, I would love to hear about it. Because most of the ones that I know of are not done well. And it's just not something that happens all that often. So I would love to see more body possession in the, in the uh, I was about to say the spirit of Geist, uh, but I, I guess maybe I'm not going to say that because that was another organic pun, but I caught oh, myself. Dear. It just happens naturally, dude. I can't stop it, you know? It's just like I just, I just, I just start talking and there it goes. Anyway, the other thing I was going to say is even more seldom than body possession is having a resource that is finite and must be rationed over the course of an entire game. Um, I can only think of like really one example of this, uh, which was Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter, which I believe is on PS2. Did you ever play Dragon Quarter? I did not. I love that game so much. Uh, it was very unusual for the Breath of Fire series at the time. That series started off as a pretty uh, pretty standard JRPG where your characters could turn into dragons. But Dragon Quarter uh, was a future dystopia. You played a uh, boy who had like dragon-like powers, and he was trying to uh, escape this underground bunker and get to the surface with his friends. Uh, the hook to this was that you could kind of replay sections if you died. It was I don't want to say it was a roguelike because it was not, but it had this this thing where you kind of like learned about how the level went and then you died and then you had to restart. And the thing that triggered you restarting was that your character had a very limited amount of dragon power. So he could unleash this like really super powerful beam and he could uh, transform, I think. Uh, he was very tough when he unleashed this dragon power, but he had like a very finite amount and there was no recharging that. Like once you used it up, there was no item in the game, nowhere you could go. You could not sleep in it in, like nothing. Like once that power was out, it was out. And so it was up to you to learn like where was the best place to use this power, how much you should use. And if you ran out before you got to the end, we had to start over. That was a pretty harsh penalty to pay uh, in some ways. I think it really wasn't as harsh as people said it was, but it knocked people for a loop back then. People had no idea what to make of this. People really like just rebelled against it, did not like it saw this game as kind of an outcast of the series. Um, I think it was really forward-looking. I think it had a lot of really interesting design choices. And out of the entire Breath of Fire series, which I have played, I think, almost all of them, this is really the only one that stands out to me. This is the only one that I really like because it was so different and I love the mechanic so much. So the idea of having a very finite resource that is not able to be restored or recharged and it's up to the player to kind of manage that over the course of the adventure... Um, again, listeners, if you know of a game that does this mechanic, please let me know because I don't know of anything other than Dragon Quarter that does it. And I think that is an idea that has a lot of potential. Uh, but those are what I came up with, Corey. What did you come up with? 
Uh, I want to offer brief responses to yours before I move on to my ideas. Please do. Please do. Um, whenever you're talking about body possession, that reminds me of the PlayStation 2 era game uh, Second Sight. Have you played that, Brad? By Free I did, Radical? and I loved it. Yes, it was really, really good. Okay, good, because Second Sight is phenomenal. And that game, the story is so good in it. But it's, okay, I just want to make sure you'd played it because it has, like, psychic mechanics and it has a possession mechanic in it and i i cool we've touched base i just want to make sure that you played it second side is awesome i love that game that is a really really good game yeah good call good call indeed indeed and the other thing the finite resource this isn't like exactly like what you're talking about but it kind of reminds me of Candleman that came out earlier this year because like per level you kind of like you have a finite amount of you know, the, the flame, the candle space. And, and I guess whenever you checkpoint, it restores. So it's not like super duper finite, but that was like the only thing that came to mind whenever you were talking about that for me. No, that's a good call. I mean, I think that's a pretty, um, the same general concept, but not nearly as stringent. Yeah, I mean, I think that works too. And that Candleman was a really good game also. I mean, uh, challenging in some ways, but yeah, good call, good call, good pick. Okay, cool, cool. I uh, My answers are actually not nearly as good as yours, so I'm sorry that I have to follow you up. Um, but I came up with two, and they kind of revolve around the same game a little bit. Uh, one of them, the, the first one that I thought about is like a time manipulation mechanic, which has definitely been used in games before. Um, and I mean sort of like being able to like fast forward or rewind time or something like that. That's sort of what I'm thinking whenever I say this, because when I think about um, like one of my favorite games and game series, one of my favorite games last year, uh, Hitman, the reboot, um, like that game was prime to use a sort of like time mechanic because a lot of Hitman is spent walking around and like waiting for say like the target to go to a certain room or for like a certain person to go to a certain area so that you can like take them out or you can do something. And it gets really boring whenever you're just standing around and waiting for stuff like that to sort of organically happen in the atmosphere. And I feel like Hitman could have like super duper benefited from like a fast forward time. So that way the target can get there because really you're not losing like out on a lot of gameplay because all you're doing is like standing there anyway, or even like reversing time. Like say you kill someone and then someone across the map sees it and you know, you fucked up and just being able to reverse that instead of having to like pause the menu and then load your last quick save and then wait 30 seconds on the loading screen, you know, to, to load your save. Um, I feel like games could benefit from this, but I also feel like a time mechanic is probably the kind of thing that's like absolute like murder on game engines. Like I feel like it's probably not something that can be very easily uh, like added to games. And maybe that's why we don't see it as much uh, or may maybe I'm wrong. I don't really know anything about game engines or, you know, game programming, but I feel like uh, if they, if it was easy to do, we would probably see it in more games. And my second response, which also comes from Hitman. um, Hitman Absolution, which is, I liked, but I think it is widely regarded as maybe the series low um, for the game. And this came out in like 2012, I think. that uh, uh, It had a mechanic where you could build up a certain amount of, uh, like a meter that you have, and you basically can enter what's called instinct mode in the game. And whenever you enter instinct mode, it like highlights enemies in the area and it highlights stuff you can interact with. And it kind of slows down time a tiny bit. 
And whenever you start using instinct, it like slows down. Like you don't, you can't do it forever. But one thing that I really liked about Hitman Absolution, and I feel like I'm probably the only person on the planet that liked this mechanic, is that it had a thing where you could turn on your instinct meter and you could mark uh, targets in the area. You had to like hover the cursor over and then press a button and it would like put a little mark exactly where you targeted. So it wasn't like an auto target thing. And then once you're finishing doing all the targets you want, basically you just let go of the button and Agent 47 just shoots all of the places where you marked. It's kind of like an insta-kill mechanic, but you have to be precise about it because you have a very limited amount of time to place your target marks. And then um, if you don't get them placed correctly, then he'll just like shoot you know, a window or into thin air or whatever. But it's nice because you could walk in a room you could just like, if you have the, uh, the the meter built up enough, you could just like mark, you know, one headshot on four targets in the room, let go of the button. And then he does this like cinematic, like where he basically just clears the room quickly. And I feel like it's a very cheap mechanic because it's basically just like, you know, a press a button to kill everybody in the room kind of thing. And Splinter Cell uh, Conviction did it too, the mark and execute system where you could mark certain targets, but that was an even easier one because you didn't have to aim at all. You just highlight the target and then you press the button and Sam Fisher would kill him automatically. So I like the Hitman one more because um, because you actually have to like place the shots. But um, I, I really like that mechanic because it gives like a nice breath of sort of like a sigh of relief to an area. And it also gives it sort of like a more realistic quality because I mean... Get, like aiming guns in a third person shooter and shooting them especially if you're like dual wielding guns is much more cumbersome I feel like than it would be in real life I mean I don't think it would be that easy to like walk in a room and like aim at two different people with two different guns and shoot them in the head at the same time like in real life but it gives it a nice like kind of fun easy cinematic quality that I think is a little more realistic uh, rather than just like pointing and shooting at one target at a time and and I like that so I feel like that was something that was really cool about Hitman Absolution that they dropped immediately after Hitman Absolution. I wish that uh, that new Hitman had that or maybe had like a mode where you could use it. And time mechanics. I'm all for fast forward and rewinding time in video games rather than standing around waiting or having to save and reload all the time. I agree with those. Those are both good picks, um, especially like when you are waiting for something to happen. You know, I just uh, recently played uh shadow tactics and i really love that game a lot that game is is awesome but one thing that i think they could add is a, is a fast forward i mean there was a couple times when i would set up an ambush and i just was like waiting for the dude to like walk into it and like nothing's going on like you said it was just you're just waiting just waiting for that dude to get back here and you know it's sometimes even worse with hitman when they have those really long routes where they're like walking through a house or walking around the grounds and it takes a while for them to come back and yeah fast forwarding would be great and um I did like that mechanic you mentioned, like the mark and execute kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that probably was the best part about Absolution. That game was a trash fire, but uh, <laughs> that particular that mechanic was not bad. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. Those are good picks. All right. I, I will... I don't think Hitman Absolution was a trash fire, but that's a discussion for another show. <laughs> <laughs> we, will, uh, we will let that one go for now, but, uh, yeah, I... I I did. Not. I'm a huge Hitman fan, and I hated that game. So we can talk about it some other time. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm a huge Hitman fan, and I liked it. I did not love it, but I thought it was f a fine game, if you will. Nothing special, but it was enough, I guess. Well, I, you know, in the interest of time, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna not say anything <laughs> now, but just know that in my heart I strongly disagree with you, like real hard. All right. Well, before any fights or arguments break out, maybe we should just bring the show to a close. Does that sound like a good idea? I think we should probably do that. <laughs> All right. So uh, that ends another episode of So Video Games. Ends our games talk. Ends the Q and A. Um, but before we go, we would like to remind everyone that you can send us any comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else, any. Uh, show topics, any questions, uh, whatever you want. You can send it to us uh, via email or on Twitter. Our email address is sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. And our Twitter handle, surprise, surprise, is at sovideogames. Uh, Brad and I also are available individually on Twitter, and we are much more responsive on our individual Twitter handles than we are on the game Twitter handle. So, uh, Brad, would you like to give your Twitter handle? Yep, you can reach me on Twitter. It's my name, Brad Galloway, uh, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. It's all A's, no O's. Indeed, and mine is also my first and last name. It's Corey Motley, C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Brad, do you have anything else to add before we bring this show to a close? Uh, No, I think this has been a good show, and I really would encourage people who uh, listen to send us their comments and feedbacks. We love getting um, anything from the listeners, honestly, like questions or just, you know, thoughts or anything at all. We mean, we love to be interactive as possible, and we love to know that people are out there listening. Um, And we know you're listening, so please go ahead and just don't be shy. Uh, Like, we don't get very much email or or more on Twitter than on email, but uh, just reach out and uh, let us know. We love to, uh, to talk to you. Indeed, that is true. Um, I second everything Brad just said. Um, but uh, that's it. This is two-plus-hour show, so I know, Brad, you're ready to go to bed, and I have to edit the show, so let's shut this down. Um, this is the end of episode 45 for So Video Games. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, this is bye from Corey. And bye from Brad. See you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>